wrestling fans! For the second week in a row, it's time for the Ultra Mega Crossover Event of the Century. Well, let's be honest, of every year now. Thanks. Of course, that is this week's very special episode of 607TWS. Not just on our normal channel, but also on the ODPH Podcast Network. And it, you know that that means we're going to be covering all that is WrestleMania 39 and calling it right down the middle. Of course, we are coming to you from the ODPH Dungeon, the realest thing in pro wrestling podcasting. And that took a whole nother event this week. <laughs> of course, I am your host, and I'm also the host of the 3FN Podcast. My name is Rich, and joining me in the co-pilot's chair as he does each and every week, but you better know him as the host of the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast, better known as the ODPH. I'm talking about Ken M. 607 Podcast fam, what is happening? What is going on? What is good? How is WrestleMania weekend for everybody? And of course, joining us in the other chair, you know him uh, as a co-host here for these last two episodes, but he is known as the co-host of the ODPH Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we give to you the man that is still undefeated at WrestleMania, Padawan J. I'm still holding off for muffins. I know. I know. You know, after all the wrestling I watched, I could have opened like I did last week with that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm injured, I'm tired, and I'm dealing with a bunch of children. Uh, and if uh, I was on the internet more, then I would definitely have to say that I was dealing with a bunch of children. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not the case. Uh, lots of wrestling went down this week. Mm. Lots of wrestling went down. Uh, we got to, you know, we're going to be diving in here shortly in a second. Uh, we'll get one note out of the way. Then there's a couple other notes before we dive completely in. Cause it's going to be another long one. Thank you guys for tuning in last week. Uh, to a, I hope you guys enjoyed the preview show. We're going to go all over all of that today when we review the whole mother load, which we'll get to in a minute. But I do want to say, unfortunately for the 607 TWS nation, we are not going to be diving into anything else. Mm -hmm. So I'm sorry, uh, but this is going to be a long show just like last week. There is going to be a couple little bit at the end. We're going to do three segments like we did last week, but obviously we're going to be talking about the elephant in the room, uh, which of course is the sale, the merger, the acquisition, whatever you want to call it from Endeavor of WWE. We'll be doing that later in the third uh, you know, segment of the show after the WrestleMania stuff. But I just wanted to say that I'm sorry. I know you guys are used to it, but if you want to watch some kick-ass independent pro wrestling, because I know there's something to be on next week. And plus you can go back and watch all the stuff from the collective and such fight plus seven 99 a month. Uh, it's really going to be the best money you spend. There was a lot of great wrestling action. Go back and watch anything that had Vikingo in it. Cause he oh was my, my all-star for WrestleMania weekend. I know Ken got to see a lot of it as well. Yeah. He absolutely stole the show him and speedball, Mike Bailey. Uh, one of my favorite shows of the weekend, Effie's Big Gay Brunch, which is one of my favorite shows. Amazing card. Every collective, great card. A lot of fun stuff there. Uh, Joey Janela's Spring Break, a whole nother level. Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully Joey Janela's forehead is okay. My God. Uh, on top of that, DDT put on some hell of a shows. Let's go over to IWTV. I know some things showed over on IWTV as well. Make sure you check them out, nine ninety a month, uh, independentwrestling.tv. You know, we're just spreading the love. Guys, check all that stuff out. Of course, if you didn't already, it's not part of the deals, but if you want to, I, I can tell you that both the Ring of Honor show is very good good and also on top of that uh the impact. roh impact or no sorry impact sorry new japan yeah that was multiverse amazing. united show was tremendous mm -hmm. kenta versus suzuki holy shit not to mention everything else on that card so yeah unfortunately we don't have time to break all that down or else we'd be here for six hours but next week we will be back on our normal uh rotation getting out everything that we normally get with the roundup and everything i just want to make that abundantly clear up front sorry guys but we will be talking about that later 
All right, Ken, tell the fine folks how to find you in the ODPH podcast. Very simple. You want to talk to myself, Padawan J, simply swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join the conversation on the social media accounts. Check out the Public store. Check out the Patreon link. One tier, $2 a month, and a lot of content on the way. The blogs, the directory, we can find friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast, the classified section, the music section. Basically, if it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. Of course, if you're looking for myself and the 3FN Podcast, go to 3FNpodcast.com. Social media links are there. Uh, the link to the Patreon. Patreon, patreon.com slash 3FN podcast for as little as $1 a month to get a ton of extra bonus content and you help support everything we do here, including this show. Uh, on top of that, friends of the show are there like the ODPH. You can stream all the shows, 607 TWS, mm-hmm. 3FN, ODPH, everything, you know, maybe more stuff if I ever, you know, <laughs> do something with my website, you know what I mean? Uh, it was there, of course, the musical directory is there, which is very important because you get to hear such great bands like Floodlands who does Ruins. Uh, you can find all of the information there. And, of course, the ending of the show, Second Suitor, and their wonderful, wonderful track, One Winged Angel. Uh, we close out 607TWS every week. And, of course, special shout-outs to Hooken. Brian Wolf down in Austin, Texas, formerly of Fair City Fire, doing his own thing right now. Uh, you hear his song, Simple Stupid, on each sports edition of the ODPH. But he's got a brand new EP out. You definitely want to go check out if you're in the Austin, Texas area. Go see him live with the Howlers. A uh, little known fact, Brian Wolf, the greatest Nickelback cover artist of all time. Oh, there you go. Facts. Absolutely facts. And then you heard it from Padawan J, so it's the truth. Because he speaks the truth. <laughs> the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help him. God. Uh, speaking of which, what about the Astros? Uh, fuck them. All right. Get that out of the way early. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With that, though, also while you're there, make sure you check out the sponsors and everything else. We're just having a little bit of fun on the back end. Let's get into a couple other announcements, though, before we dive into what you want to hear about. And that, of course, is the full-on WrestleMania preview. So the way the show is going to work, I already told you there is going to be a third segment for those diehard fans that want to hear our take. We will be talking about the elephant in the room, which is the Endeavor WWE deal. We'll be talking about that in the third segment of the show. On top of that, uh, we might even speculate on what Tony Khan's huge announcement is going to be this <laughs> upcoming week on Dynamite. Uh, forewarning, not safe for work because I'm sure we're going to make some jokes there as well. On top of that, <laughs> on top of that, the mid card of the show is going to be night two of WrestleMania and the uh, Raw after Mania, the fallout, everything that's going on. Of course, the internet melting down. Uh, I've been trying to stay off of it, but uh, trust me, you're going to, for our good friend uh, JVD, you're going to be uh, happy. There will be a rant. Uh, and then, of course, in the opening segment, we're going to cover uh, the Hall of Fame. Uh, we forgot to preview Stand and Deliver last week. Our bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Three-hour show. My bad. There's a lot of wrestling going on, but this one definitely we want to give a spotlight to because the show is fantastic. But we're going to review it, and then we're going to review night one as well. In the opening segment, one more piece of business, and it's a somber piece of business. Unfortunately, uh, this past uh, Monday, uh, we got the news that we had lost uh, Bushwhacker Butch, mm-hmm. so Butch Miller uh, passed away. Of course, if you're not for, if you grew up like I did in the 1980s, you know the Bushwhackers as the lovable uh, men from New Zealand. Uh, they used to lick the children. Yeah. I mean that in the best way. Don't take that as anything else. But they're su- such fucking great guys. You hear about how great as men they were from the other workers in the business. Of course, a lot of people don't realize that before they were in the WWE, WWF. That was back in the day. They were known as the Sheep Herders, mm-hmm. and they were one of the first like extreme if you would like to call it. We'd call it ultra-violent these days, yeah. tag teams. Lots of blood spilled, lots of weapons used. Uh, so it's kind of weird that they went on to be such like PG, if you will, icons as the Bushwhackers. But uh, unfortunately, we did lose Butch this week. So condolences to all his uh, friends, family, and fans worldwide. We are amongst them. So it's a, a tough week, and it always sucks to go out, especially open a show this way. So salute to Butch. Mm-hmm. Well, with that... 
Butch would have wanted it to go on. Trust me, every wrestler wants the show to go on, and we're going to dive right in. So, ladies and gentlemen, I can't get rid of this because I know Ken would shoot me if I did, because he does. He's got a gun, just like uh, rumored that Stan Hansen carried one all the time as well, because uh, his watch says... It is time to officially kick off this week's 607 TWS and ODPH Sports Edition Crossover WrestleMania 39 Review Edition. Damn, that was a lot of words to say in a short period of time. All right, let's dive. Let's jump in first. We're going to talk about the Hall of Fame. It is the one that went first because uh, it took place 11 p.m. Eastern time, so 7, uh, 8 p.m. Pacific, uh, Where because everything happened out in California. So all these things we had to stay up late for. But if you were out in uh, the West Coast, you got them nice and early. And we're not going to break down everybody there. I thought it was a, a very good Hall of Fame, marked benchmarked <clears throat> by the amazing induction speech from Conan oh, yes. for Rey Mysterio. What did you guys think of the Hall of Fame? Uh, go ahead, jump in. Ken. Conan gave one of of the most legendary speeches of all time. Fantastic moment. And just really, with the Hall of Fame, it's a great time to honor those getting inducted. And from Andy Kaufman's family coming there, I thought they had a great moment. To Stacey Keeler really paying homage to the fans. And like we said, Conan's speech really kind of topped everything. It was just truly a magical moment to set the weekend off, and I, I really just enjoyed the show. I don't normally believe in conspiracy theories, but uh, after seeing Stacey Keebler, there might be some truth to the the Hollywood elites uh, swimming in the blood of children. I don't know, because she did not look like she aged one day, and uh, that was amazing. Uh, Pad, what did you think about the Hall of Fame? I thought the Hall of Fame was, was great. You know, one of my knocks with it the last couple of years has just been the length of it. Where, mm-hmm. where, like, don't get me wrong, all of these folks deserve their time and deserve their, their shine and, and their time to say what they want and how long they want and whatever but just when it came to down to it you know you get some of these folks who get a little long-winded give you about four false endings and you think it's over and done with and then they keep going and i remember a couple of years watching where i will admit i was starting to not often fall asleep a cup during a couple of them not the case with this one it was crisp it was short it was nice and it went right through you know but that said, it, it you know Keebler gave a Stacy Keebler gave a great uh, speech. You know uh, Ron Simmons and JBL were not wrong about Tim White's brother being a dead ringer for Tim White. My God, he, mm-hmm. he's a dead ringer for him. You know it was awesome to see uh, the great Muda. You know give his admittedly probably going to be the shortest induction speech of all time. I don't think anyone's going to ever beat that one. You know, but then and seeing Asuka and everybody else freaking out about it and then seeing the incredible photo of the great Muda and Omos the next couple of days. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. but but like you said, no, the Ray's speech was awesome. Conan's induction speech was incredible and honestly top three induction speeches of all time. Oh, easily. Uh, I'm going to just go say my, my highlights. Of course, I'm a big, great mood of Mark, so I was happy to see. I was I was marking out as much as Asuka was in the crowd. I'm glad that they caught that. Uh, you know, it was a short speech, and, it, you know, he apologized and said he, it's because he doesn't know very much English. I don't think he had to apologize. for. I think everybody understood, but he definitely got across that he was very honored to be there. Mm-hmm. I love the the spraying of the mist was 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 on point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, on top of that, like I said, I already said Stacey Cuba looked amazing. I thought she, she had a good uh, speech as well. Mm-hmm. One of the, Andy Kaufman's family got a little teary-eyed there. You know, yeah. the king not being able to be there in person, but still gave a great induction uh, speech from 
his home because, of course, he just got you know over a stroke. Well, I shouldn't say over it, but he's, he's, he's recovering. Still, he's he's recovering. recovering. Thank you. And uh, you know, thankfully, hopefully, he keeps going in that direction. It was still nice to see him and know that he was at least all right. But unfortunately, he could not make the trip to California. But I think he did a great job as well. And of course, my highlight of the night, man, Ray Mysterio, the induction speech by uh, Conan, phenomenal. And I was like, it could go either way. It depends on which Conan we get. You right. Know what I mean, but you know what? He stuck it out there for Ray. Said a lot of awesome things. And then Ray Mysterio, man, hit the heartstrings. I think he hit everything. He hit the heartstrings. He got through with the funny. He was. It was. It was a little bit serious, a little bit fun. It was all over, and I it loved perfect. it. It was perfect. Ray. Ray deserves that honor, and it was great to see him wrestle on WrestleMania. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Before we get to WrestleMania night one, though, let's real quick talk about the wrestling event for WWE, not talking about the collective and stuff that already started. So, mind you, these people were, we talked about on the, the preview show, show started on Wednesday. Yeah. So, if you're in LA and you were there for WrestleMania and you went to a bunch of indie shows as well, your your weekend started on Wednesday. So, by Saturday, by night one of WrestleMania, it was a long haul. I mean, even Mick Foley made a comment about that at a couple of the shows, like, hey, guys, you better save some energy because by night one, you're going to be burned out. Mm-hmm. And so WWE's first show is an NXT show coming to you from the crypto.com arena in Los Angeles, California. And by the way, Pacific time, it started at 9.30 a.m. with the pre-show. Oh, yeah. Because 10 a.m. was when the show started because it was 1 p.m. Eastern. So it was 10 a.m. So the pre-show was 9.30 in the morning. So that puts a whole new perspective on all these people who went to the Hall of Fame the night before Mm -hmm. and then came in and had to wrestle in the morning. So uh, NXT Stand and Deliver 2023. Let's talk about it. First of all, let's talk about that first match, which was a pre-show match. And it was an eight-person mixed tag team extravaganza. And the winners gained control of Chase University. At the end of the day, Tyler Bate and the Chase University team of Thea Hall, Duke Hudson, and Andre Chase defeated Schism, Ava, Joe Gacy, Rip Fowler, and Jaeger Reed by pinfall 11 minutes and 9 seconds. And this match included a double turn. Ken, you're over here pumped. Let's start with you. Chase, you all day, every day. I love this gimmick. And this <laughs> this match, I for being a pre-show match... I was actually surprised because it's one of the better storylines they do in NXT. But to see the double sword by Duke Hudson, and I, I will admit, he's won me over being with Chase U. Like, he fits in, and Thea just doing phenomenal work there, too. I got to put that over. But I love the double swerve. It really got the crowd excited. They were invested in it and really told a great story, and especially Chase U going over was the perfect way to do it. I think if the schism had won... That would have been a little weird. Just, I don't know if the dynamic would have worked. So I'm not saying it was telegraphed, but just a great match to kick the show off. I don't want Jay, you want to add anything? Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to see this match because I know the match was taking place, but I figured it'd be on the main card. And so I was busy with other stuff that day. And by the time I got home, right when the card started, I realized it had already taken place. Oh, that's fine. So I'm going to have to go back and watch it. Yeah, it was, it, I think you'll enjoy it. It was a good, nice little mm-hmm. opener. I, did, I also missed it live. I actually went back and watched it uh, the next morning because we also, like you, Pat, I was doing stuff. I was went up to Geneva to my, my buddy George's house, and I got there in time to watch the actual 1 p.m. card. And yeah. I was like, oh, wait a minute. There was a pre-show. I didn't realize there was a pre-show. Honestly, uh, that's my bad. And I and we pre. But then again, we didn't preview this, so I can't say we, I can't say it was my fault. Right. We didn't preview Stand and Deliver just because there was so much going on, but this show definitely we got to get into, though. Speaking of uh, news out there, though, Rip Fowler and Jaeger Reed, possibly this was their last match in WWE slash NXT. Thoughts on that? 
it's real sloppy right now. I mean, I guess it is confirmed that they asked for the releases. Then there was, did they get them? Did they not? Some people reported they got them. Dave Meltzer said they got them and then went back and said, whoa, 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 never mind. I heard from the source I heard from was unreliable and it looks like it's not a done deal. They're not released, but we do know they definitely asked for the releases. Hmm. What are your thoughts on that, Ken? Being the grizzled young vets, switching their gimmick up, it just hasn't worked out in my opinion. So I can understand why they would ask for the release. Uh, so I wasn't really su- super surprised at it. I mean, especially with the schism losing, I figured, okay, well, maybe this is their way to, to sign them off and, you know, have them go do future endeavors. So I hope they do wind up, you know, doing an indie tour because I really think they're a truly talented tag team. But I'll be honest, I wasn't super shocked by this. Well, you know, if the Internet's right, Vince McMahon, the reason. we'll get to that later i promise uh next up i joke i joke i kid i kid let's talk about the start of the actual show the 1 p.m start time for the actual show the main card and we opened with the nxt women's championship ladder match which was originally for the vacant nxt women's championship but then as roxanne perez was uh cleared to wrestle now it was just a ladder match with her in it as well for the title. So Roxanne Perez defending her NXT Women's Championship against Zoe Stark, Gigi Dolan, Indy Hartwell, Lara Valkyrie, and Tiffany Stratton. This match got 17 minutes and two seconds. And in the surprise victory of the night, ladies and gentlemen, your new NXT Women's Champion, Indy Hartwell, give the assist to Dexter Lewis. Uh, Padawan Jay, kick off. How'd you feel about the match? This match was great. And I'll admit that I marked out the hardest all weekend for this match and, and specifically the ending because it was a great match. I've loved everything going on with it. You know, getting real creative with the use of the ladders. And then the moment where Dexter Loomis shows up and starts helping Indy Hartwell uh, emerge victorious and win the the belt. Because there was a couple moments in this match where she could have done it. And you had Booker T and you had uh, whoever the announcer is. I'm blanking on the name. You know, screaming at her like, oh, you got to move. You got to do it. You're taking too much time. And then Dexter just shows up, thumbs up, and helps her. I started freaking out. I love this match. Ken? I was surprised Indy had won. Not that she's not worthy of the title. I figured she would have won it a few months back, to be honest with you. I thought she'd be getting the call-up after Mania. Oh, yeah. So I had Tiffany Stratton pegged to win this match. And she had a great performance, albeit though, that dive she took off the ladder, that was a rough landing. Yeah. Not on her. Yeah. Yeah, but this match, though, I thought was very solid. And the ending, I mean, index is over no matter what. So this was a perfect ending to it, and I thought it was a great performance by everybody involved. No, I thought it was a great match. I thought uh, everybody went in looking better than they uh, when we were going in. And the, every one of these women has a gigantic upside. Very impressed with Trif- Tiffany Stratton. Yes. Uh, she took a she took a hell of a bump on the uh, the outside, the springboard uh, yep. moonsault to the outside. It was kind of uh, an interesting, like, I didn't think they caught her at first. Yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> and that's, I was like, whoo, yeah. that was a hell of a bump. But uh, everybody in this match did well. I, I, I enjoyed everybody in this match. I thought that the, the match pacing was well. And I love the surprise. Although, for my uh, the conspiracy theorists, and it's going to come out because I'm making jokes about it all night just to let you guys know. You guys are going to catch on. Uh, definitely saw Vince McMahon's fingerprints here. Did you see how Dexter Loomis originally came up underneath Indy Hartwell? Yeah, boy. That's a horn dog move if I've ever seen one. Definitely dog approved, by the way. Next up, we had the triple threat tag team match for the NXT Tag Team Championships. Your champions, Gallus, Mark Coffey, and Wolfgang uh, going up against the family, Tony D'Angelo and Stax. And, of course, the Creed brothers, Julius and Brutus. 
This match got eight minutes, 11 seconds, a little shorter than I thought because this match felt longer because I thought this match was very good. And what mm -hmm. they did, they packed a lot of energy in it at the end of the day. And still your NXT Tag Team Champions, Gallus, of course, with the hands of the newest member, or I should say returning member, as Joe Coffey has now made his first appearance in NXT. Of course, Booker T didn't know who he was, which that led to a funny joke. Yeah. But with that being said, Ken M, how do you think of the Tag Team title match? Solid match. Uh, I honestly thought that we'd see Dijak here because I, I fully believe that Stax is going to flip on Tony D'Angelo. I think it's just a matter of time, mm. and he'll be like he'll be working undercover. But I thought for what we got here, it was it was very solid and very fluid. And, and but it did feel longer than it was. That was the only thing that really threw me off. But you know, very solid in ring work though. Bad. No, I thought it was a good match. All three teams did a really good job in this. Uh, listen, I'm loving Tony D'Angelo and then that whole thing more and more. I kind of started off neutral, like, yeah, okay, we'll see. But um, it, it's growing on me. I was going to say, I, I was not a fan at all originally, and now it's actually... I, I enjoy watching it. Uh, that, that part of the aspect. Uh, Gallus, though. Whew. Gallus yeah. is Ooh. the real deal. Love those guys. Mm -hmm. uh, next up, the fatal five-way match for the NXT North American Championship. Your champion, Wesley, uh, going up against Axiom. The very first in-ring appearance of Dragon Lee, Ilya Dragunov, J.D. McDonough, and at the end of the day, this match got 19 minutes and 17 seconds. By the way, the longest... Yes, just had to double check. The longest match on stand and deliver your winner and still NXT North American champion, Wesley. And I'm going to just say it up front before I turn it over to you, gentlemen. This was one of my favorite matches of the entire weekend. And that means of all the shows I watched. And I watched a lot of wrestling this weekend. I thought this match was great, but I'm going to open it to you guys first. Uh, Pad, what'd you think about the five way for the North American title? Easily top three matches of the weekend. You know, I got, I got to go back and watch a couple of the other matches, including this one, to kind of finalize where I'm going to put it for the weekend. But no, this match, easily one of the best of the weekend and early candidate for match of the year. I agree there. Ken M. Match of the year candidate, hands down. I already penciled it in for the Brodies. This really <coughs> felt like true NXT. I know that's weird saying but you know how like we are used to takeovers and have those magical moments like with Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. This had that vibe throughout the entire match. Dragunov, oh man, show-stealing performance. Dragon Lee looked phenomenal, but Wes Lee, we have to give him a lot of respect because he's been the fighting champion. I love the gimmick that he doesn't care. Open challenge, whoever wants to come get it, come get it absolute perfection this match definitely give wesley his flowers you know when everything went down mm -hmm. with his tag team partner well mm -hmm. we're not gonna dive into the woods there and msk ended right it would have been real easy just to write wesley off or just make him basically a job or guy until his contract was up instead they saw something in him he, they pushed him to the nxt north american title we all looked around and we're like okay maybe transitional champ nothing against his talents sure just you know we weren't expecting that much you maybe you know whatever but then you know Defeats Dijak at the last PLE. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Okay, they want to keep him on the belt. And now here, five-way match, defeats four other guys, top-tier competitors. Axiom, Dragon Lee, Ilya Dragunov, who's one of the best in the world, J.D. McDonough. All these guys, with the exception of Dragon Lee, who just got there, and Axiom, who is still kind of new himself, you have three of these guys, including Wesley, who have been in big major title pictures on a PLE. Yeah. Because remember, Dragunov was our match of the year. Oh, my God. He was Sports Illustrated's match of the year the same you know year mm -hmm. you know with him and uh, Walter. Yeah. And then, you know, J.D. McDonough was in the top, and he, him and uh, Tyler Bate had that triple threat match for the title a few months back. Well, probably six months ago now. Uh, it always seems like time's flying. But, I mean, 
this is a good matchup to be in. Really showcase Wesley. Can't say anything uh, more good. Listen, banger after banger here. Yeah. I mean, the opener was a banger. The, the, this, this match was a banger. The tag match <laughs> was a banger. And then another banger, the unsanctioned match. Johnny Gargano oh. defeats Grayson Waller via submission, 18 minutes and 12 seconds. What a fucking great story they told here. Ken M, how'd you feel about this match? Love this match. Uh, the only thing I, I guess I could say negative about it is uh, Grayson Waller did a couple no-sells I did not like in this. Mm, yeah. But it did not take anything away from him really emerging in my eyes as a star. Because I'd have always been kind of like, yeah, he's got potential. No, I'm fully sold on the kid now. I'm going to agree with you on that. I there there was the one in particular where he did the table spot, yeah, and then he came back in for a big spot, and it was like I just was like, man, I wish he would have let it breathe. Yeah, uh, not giving away anything. There, there's a there's a match in the main event of night one of WrestleMania, you know, similar beatdown, mm-hmm. and then there was a real quick adrenaline. But Sami Zayn sells the injury right after right. real quick, and that's what he should have done as well. But once again, giving credit where credits due, he still looked good. He's a young kid. Yeah, mistakes no, I, will be made. Absolutely, but this was a great showing for him, especially on a primetime stage like this. Because they really spent some time, and especially with Johnny Gargano, to come back. They really see something in him, and rightfully so. This is a great performance by him, but I love seeing Gargano win. And by the way, his back probably is not the same oh currently God. right now after those wonderful cane shots. Pad, what was your thoughts on this match? I mean, listen, this match needed no buildup for me. You know, given what happened between Grayson Waller and Johnny Gargano when he left NXT in, what, like 2021, early 2022, whatever it was, you know, in, in the contract situation, he left to be time with Candace and have their baby and all that stuff. The, the storyline was built in there with the way they wrote him off initially. So to have Johnny come back and like, hey, you, you, you know, we got some business to settle. I'm like, I heard this. I'm like, I'll, all right, I'm in for this. You know, so the match was the match was incredible. It was awesome to see Grace Waller get his ass handed to him. You know, especially when Candace jumped the barricade and started beating him with the kendo stick. You know, just with knowing the story and everything built in, I, I love the match. It was awesome to see. And Grayson Waller, I knew when he quote unquote beat uh Gargano and, and made him quote unquote leave NXT. I was like, they got something special on their hands with him as a heel. It's just he's gotta put a couple more pieces together with it. And I think he's starting to do that. You know, I'm gonna say I'm gonna really uh, add on to that because I think that Grayson Waller has been one of the most improved wrestlers over the last two years. Facts. Uh, there was a yes. time where I could not stand him. Uh, not because of the gimmick or anything, just because I thought he was just over the top for no reason and wasn't very good. He has really honed in on a craft. I do think that the gimmick needs to keep changing, which I think they're changing because they have to because they have Logan Paul, and his gimmick was kind of Logan Paul, Mm -hmm. if you will. So it's kind of like you have to change that, but I think he's done well there. I'm interested to see where he's going. I have said that if they can pull him up enough, the card enough, I could see him actually having a match against Shawn Michaels because I think that's where you end end up leading to in this storyline if they continue. Yeah. You could get there. But I think that they're waiting to see if the kid is going to reach that final form. They're not going to push that button and put Michaels in there with him if he's never gets that final form. Mm-hmm. But I think if he gets that final form, which he's on track to do, I think that that could be a really cool way. And then him come up to the main roster after, which would be big, big money, mm-hmm. big money. Uh, let's move on to the next match, which was the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship match. Your champions, uh, Phelan Henley and Kiana James with Brooks and, and Briggs in their corner, uh, taking on the challengers of Elba Fire and Isla Dawn at the end of the day, 8 minutes and 41 seconds, and your new NXT Women's Tag Team Champions, Fire and Dawn. And I'm just going to start this off by saying this is one of my least favorite matches. And you want to know why? It had nothing to do with the in-ring performance, although I thought it was kind of – it it was a fine in-ring performance. 
my problem is the fucking story. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm not, I don't watch it. I'm going to be honest. I don't watch NXT every week, but I stay with the pulse on it. I still mm-hmm. know what's going on. And I don't like this dumb story they're doing where they have Kiana James allegedly cheating on him, but the other two won't say it out loud. And it's, it's just weird. It doesn't make any sense. And then, you know, you get in this match where, you know, asking to cheat to win and you should have just let it do it. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't like it. I, I, I just think that's what left the sour taste in my mouth. Uh, Padawan Jay, take it away. Match was fine. You know, it was kind of what I expected it to be. I wasn't exactly going and going, oh, this is going to be the greatest tag team match of all time, and this is or this is going to be the greatest women's tag team match of all time. I'm like, it's going to be a match. They, they should, you know, they should be good. You know, Alba Fire and Isla Dawn being a team together has intrigued me just because I, I admittedly never would have thought pairing them together. You know, but having paired them together and seeing where they can go with it, it they, there's a lot of potential. There's a lot of interesting things I think they can do with if they give it some time. And I think, you know, now that they're champs, they're going to have some time to do stuff, you know, and it'll be uh, fun to see it happen. I agree with you there. I did actually like the pairing of Fire and Dawn. I do think that they could do some big things. They have they have a lot of similarities. They seem to have a it, it, letting them flush it out is going to be good. <laughs> Ken, your thoughts. I really did like the storyline between uh, Henley and James, but it's really you know, when we see storylines extend this long, usually it's building for something. It just kind of seems like it's sputtering right now. Yeah, it's and, convoluted and it's not doing much. Yeah, it's not doing anything because I because I was really excited to see what this team was going to do, but this match was super short. I was surprised at the title move, though, because I figured they might hang on to him just a little bit because uh, Dawn and Fire just got together. But uh, it was what it was. Maybe somebody's realizing that the storyline, for some reason, is sputtered, and I think they made it too convoluted. Yeah. Let's talk about the main event now for the NXT Championship, your champion. Uh, the man who is, after this weekend, probably clad that they did not name him Rex Steiner. Hey. Uh, that would be Braun Breaker. And, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, him. That's right. All hail him. Carmelo Hayes. Mello is money. Mello uh, don't miss. Mello don't miss. Let's be honest. There's a lot of them out there. This match got 16 minutes and the 10 seconds. And at the end of the day, and your new NXT champion, Carmelo Hayes, which I'm very excited for. Um, just going to say, match kind of let me down a little bit, but I should have known that because Braun Breaker is very limited. Ken, will kick it to you first. You hit it right on the head. Breaker has got a lot of potential, but it's literally the same moves every match. Mm-hmm. And it's not reinventing the wheel. And I know he, he's got a tremendous upside, don't get me wrong. But his title reign, in my opinion, has not been super impressive. And I think they made the right call here, making Carmelo Hayes champion uh the only thing i would say is wrong with it is he, we won't see him on the main roster with the hurt business but you know what that's perfectly fine hayes is going to do a lot for nxt as champion i don't know what they're going to do with breaker after this but with hayes at the helm it's in good hands padawan j the match was fine carmelo hayes was great in this match Braun breaker not so much you know Braun, little few too many steinerisms if i may you know for me you know, and I agree with everything Ken said. I, I think he does have a lot of potential, and I think he does have a lot of upside, but I think you've got to break him out of this kind of mentality he's got where he's almost relying maybe a little too much on his family, you know, heritage. Like, yeah, okay, I'm not saying don't use any of your of your father's or your uncle's moves, mm-hmm. but just don't go to the well every single time you're going to do some of that stuff. You know, it, it, it's, just, it's just one of those things where, like, 
you've got all this potential. Don't lean on the past. So he's much. got to add some more to the arsenal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well on, well, on top of that, he does big man things, and yeah, he's a big dude. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> is he a big dude next to uh, Braun Strowman? Yeah. I don't think he is because uh, he's not as big as Braun. Right, right. So like, you're going to be able to big man the little guys. But uh, Carmelo Hayes has proven what I've thought the whole time. Uh, he's going to be a, a big star in this business in years to come. He'll be on the main roster. He's a guy who could possibly be a future WWE champion. Easy. Oh yeah. Easy. Uh, on top of that, like I said, I don't want to d- disparage Braun too much, but I just think that he needs to – there's some things that need to be focused on still. Yeah. And on top of that, I will say the weird part for me was the weird fist bump handshake thing. Yeah. Like, Braun Breaker offers the fist bump after he hands Carmelo Hayes the title, and Carmelo Hayes kind of, like, cut, ha- held his hand. It was weird. Yeah. I, I didn't get it. I don't know. It was weird. I think it was impromptu, and Hayes was just like, uh, yeah. 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 And well, the other thing that bothered me, too, was how the announce team was, like, bringing up how long he's been holding the title. and. And I know Booker T got asked at one point during the match. He's like, "Oh, is this one of the most dominant reigns we've seen in NXT history?" And, well, and I'm and I'm like, "Is it?" Well, they're they're trying to add some sizzle to the story. Oh yeah. So I mean, that was the thing. But I I do agree with you. The fact they were trying to over overemphasize it and make it seem like Braun was this unstoppable force. Think of everyone he's beaten, and I'm like, okay. Yeah, I, but who has he beaten? Yeah. By the way, we all know how I feel. If you've listened to 607 TWS, you all know how I feel about matches ending with handshakes. Yeah. I'm tired of seeing that shit because it's on the indies way too much. Uh, let's kick it on over. By the way, for those weirdos out there talking about the indies are bad, I think the indies are fine. I saw packed houses all weekend. I don't even know where that conversation came from. I agree with you completely. <laughs> that that was one of the weirdest, con- and there's been a lot this week on Ooh. the uh, as far as wrestling social media and wrestling Twitter in particular. But that was one of the weirdest topics to come up. Well, let's kick it over to night one of the granddaddy of them all, WrestleMania's April the 1st, April Fool's Day, if you will, mm-hmm. from the SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California, L.A., if you want to be more you know, bigger, but it's technically Inglewood. Uh, the night one attendance, we should say, the reported night one attendance, 80,497 People jam-packed so far, and trust me, I didn't see many empty seats, so I don't think I saw any empty seats. I didn't see any. Uh, it, was, it was crazy. So let's talk about the results. Let's talk about – let's review it, shall we, folks? Let's start with the opening contest. Of course, we knew this what this was going in for the WWE United States Championship. It is the champion, Austin Theory, defending the title against one of the greatest – in-ring performers and entertainers of all time, John Cena. At the end of the day, the match went 11 minutes and 20 seconds, and your winner, and still, WWE United States Champion, that, of course, Austin Theory. He didn't miss a town down, took advantage of a referee going down, although here's my gripe with this match. That finish. Mm. Yeah. First of all, John Cena... Gets him to the referee bumps. John Cena gets him in the STFU. I don't know if they changed that name ever, but that's what he used to call it. And Theory taps. So John Cena starts celebrating. Mind you, no bell. There's no referee. But John Cena, who's been wrestling for as long as John Cena's been wrestling, gets no, just just reacts to it. Come on. Yeah, that, that I had an issue with that. Come too. On. And then the referee jumped right back up after yeah. Theory goes over and taps him once. Yeah. But uh, Padawan Jay, go ahead and jump on in. The match was fine. You know, it felt a little short to, to me. But I know I agree with you. Cena being, you know, the 16-time champion, all the other accolades he's won, future Hall of Famer, you know, more Make-A-Wish wishes than any person on earth. You know, you go, you can go down the resume. 
you know, but for him to get the submission hold theory, theory to tap and then immediately for John to release it. And I'm like, you realize there's no bell, right? Like, you know, the match was, is what it is. Clearly John Cena doesn't like wrestling on April 1st because let's remember WrestleMania. What was it? 28, uh, where he faced the rock. Uh, he also lost that night. That's true. So fun fact. Uh, but no, the, the match was fine. You know, I was expecting maybe a little bit more seeing as how they were billing it. And it's, you know, new generation versus old generation, you know, this, that, and the other, but for an opening, it was good. No, I get you. Uh, go ahead, Ken. That bald spot's undefeated. <laughs> Seriously. Facts. Ever since Cena has that bald spot, he is not the John Cena of old. It's weakness. It's, that's that's what it is. His hair. Seriously. He needs, needs to get some just for men. Yep. He's got he's to cover that up quick and get back on the winning ways. No, I mean, this match served, the, <coughs> served what it needed to do, and that was put Theory over. But... I mean, it's nothing against John Cena by any stretch of the means. He's one of the greatest of all times. But it just seemed like this match just was too quick and too simple. Yeah. No, the crowd was super into it, too, because I know Greg Miller, uh, who was in attendance, uh, posted on Twitter. His Apple Watch gave him a sound warning because the sound in the stadium had hit over 100 decibels. Oh, yeah. Uh, so the crowd was obviously into it. I was going to say, by the way, I want to make this up front. The, the crowd for this event was tremendous. Oh, my God, amazing. Both nights of WrestleMania, this crowd was phenomenal. You can do a lot of, you know, if you have a good show, but you have a, a great crowd, it makes it a, an iconic show. I think that really hit home this weekend for WrestleMania. Uh, next up, we had the men's WrestleMania Showcase Fatal 4-Way Tag Team Match. Say that five times fast. And this match got eight minutes and 30 seconds. At the end of the day, the Street Profits, Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford, defeated Braun Strowman and Ricochet, Alpha Academy, Chad Gable and Otis, and the Viking Raiders, Eric and Ivar. Uh, this match was way better than what any of us anticipated it was going to be. Ken M, tell us thought. Sleeper match of all weekend. And there's no question about it. I love the fact that these eight individuals went for it they knew that this, I mean, let's face it. We all thought this was going to be a throwaway match. Every one of them stepped up. Chad Gable with the suplex her around the world. Chad Gable was over with that L.A. crowd. Yeah, tremendously. Dawkins leveling Braun Strowman. With a shoulder tackle outside the ring. Yes. And then Ricochet in midair adjusting so he did not go flying through the announce table to hit his mark. By the way, he got like 40 feet in the air. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it was wild all leap on that. That was a small piece of what was going on. And you heard everybody in that crowd feeding off of it and building. And I know our watch parties, respectively, were all going crazy for this. That was a great match. So phenomenal. Okay, Pat. I got to give all the credit in the world to these individuals just because, you know, you know they got told, hey, you're going on second. You're going to have maybe 10 minutes, depending on how things go. You know, here's who's going to win. And and I get the feeling they all just looked at each other and went, you know what? Let's burn this motherfucker to the ground. Yeah. Let, let's tear the house down. Let's have the best match on the card. And you know what? They're in contention for match match this card for me, just because, you know, I knew we'd get a good performance out of the Street Profits. You always do. You knew Viking Raiders were going to come in there and be the heavy machines and knock the shit out of people. And you knew you were going to get what you standardly get with Gable and Otis. Strowman and Ricochet, I figured, would be good, and they do their own respective stuff. But just everyone meshed so well together that it was, frankly, astonishing that, like, it, it worked as well as it did. That no, at no point did it feel like anybody was getting a shine over somebody else. Everybody got their own little moments to like, oh, hey, here's their feature. Here's that feature. You know, and, and like you said, it was one of the best matches of the weekend. 
I gotta say, I we were all kind of like, okay, you know, get guys on WrestleMania. We need matches. That's cool. You know, it, we didn't expect it to be terrible, but we also were like, you know, it's kind of one of those filler matches, if you will, for lack of better term. Mm-hmm. Man, I agree with Pat. I think that those guys went out there and said, "Fuck filler match. We're gonna have a good one out here." And man, they put on a show. They got, like I said, they only got eight minutes and thirty seconds, but you would have thought the match was fifteen minutes long mm-hmm. by how much stuff that they were doing in this match. I mean, real quick, it broke down. Instead of doing tags, they were just like, the hell with it. There's no DQs in this yeah. match. Let's go. Everybody just got, and then, and once again, this is something we talk about a lot with GCW when we talk Game Changer Wrestling and the Scramble match. Mm-hmm. It feels like they've, the reason why the, the Scramble match in GCW is so good compared to other places is that even though there's a lot happening, they don't do too much at the same time. Right. There's a, there's a balance because if you do too much at the same time, you're missing things and that's never good. This, this felt the same, though. This felt just like that. We didn't miss any of the spots that we were – everybody kind of was like, okay, spot here, spot here, spot over here. But it was all – so you saw this spot and digested it. Then you saw this spot and digested it. Then you saw this spot and digested it. Then you saw this spot, and then we're in the finish. I thought it was put together masterfully. I'd love to know who the agent was on this match because, damn, damn, they deserve all the credit in the world. Next up, we had a match that a lot of people were looking forward to as Seth frickin' Rollins defeated Logan Paul with KSI in his corner. We'll talk about that in a minute. 16 minutes and 15 seconds. And let me just tell you, I'm just I'm going to start this off before I pass it over to Padawan J with quoting with an exact quote from Triple H at the WrestleMania press conference. Logan Paul has no business being this good, but here we are. Padawan Jay, what were your thoughts on Seth frickin' Rollins versus Logan Paul? This match was great. You know, from the entrances, which were out of this world, you know, kudos, whether it was an accident or whether it was planned, kudos for having Logan Paul's mic left on while he was flying through the crowd. That was a great touch. I wasn't sure what they were going to do for Rollins' entrance, but having the conductor of the L.A. Symphony come out to conduct the crowd was a brilliant move. You know, the, the match was awesome. You know, and then having, you know, you knew once the prime bottle came out, all right, somebody's going to be in the prime bottle and, and doing that whole spot. You know, it was a great match from start to finish that at no point did I go, all right, let's 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 just get this over with. You know, I'm a 40-year-old man, and uh, I will say this. I did not know who KSI was. I thought it was R-Truth R- at first. I'm not going to lie. And then I was like, wait a minute, he's too young to be R-Truth. Thankfully, my nephews were there, and they're like, it's KSI. And I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense then. Uh, Ken, what are your thoughts? The only reason I knew who KSI was is I know that's his business partner. Like well, I knew it was his business right. part too, but I just didn't know. Yeah, no, no. But that's what that, the minute I saw, I was like, "Oh, it's KSI." But and I knew that they had a boxing match or something going on with him. So it was cool to see him show up because obviously Logan Paul, like everybody's touched upon, has been the surprise find <coughs> in pro wrestling, and just he's got it already. And that's the one thing too. And now he's bringing in that audience. Like I say, he's bringing in KSI, who has an audience too, to the main event, to the biggest show on the planet, and. They delivered a memorable moment that went viral again, and they put on a great performance with Seth. I mean, Seth is Seth. You know he's going to put on a five-star match no matter what he does. So this played right into what we were all expecting and lived up to my expectations. Great match. Uh, Great to see Seth Rollins get the victory. Uh, He definitely needed a win after his uh, losses last year, so I thought this was a good spot, big stage to get him a win. Um, listen, man, sky's the limit for Logan Paul. As long as Logan Paul wants to be a wrestler, I'm here for it. I understand that people don't like him personally. That's fine. Mm-hmm. If that makes you not want to watch him wrestle, that's also fine. I don't, I'm not saying I don't care about him personally, but I've never, you know, I'm a little too old for the YouTube celebrity bullshit. Let's be honest. And I understand there's some questionable things that the man has been accused of, but 
you know, it is what it is. Like, I'm not here to judge somebody by what they're accused of outside of a world that I don't actually understand. You know, I don't, I'm not going to go watch his YouTube videos. Just like, I don't really care for him. You know, I'm not going to watch his brother box. Cause no. Yeah, no. You, you know, but when it comes to in the squared circle, if, if you put him on NXT, Raw, SmackDown, whatever, I'm in. Listen, man, like I said, I like it. And once again, I understand that some people don't like him. That's fine. I just, my only real experience with him is I know he's some <laughs> influencer, yeah. YouTuber yeah. kind of like, I know like the bare basics that you know about Logan Paul. So I understand if some people know more and that's why they hate him. I can only judge from his wrestling. Once again, I'm with you. I'm not watching impulsive or listening to impulsive. Mm. I'm not watching any of his old YouTube videos and I ain't watching any of his boxing matches or his brothers. Cause I just don't, you know, I'm a big boxing fan and, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, that I don't that's a whole different today. ball game right there. And uh, but I will say this: he puts in the work, and you can tell he puts in the work because you ain't that good without putting in the work. Mm-hmm. Does a better buckshot larry and a GTS better than uh, CM Punk? Just <laughs> want to throw that out there. I'll be though. Kenta did Although pay attention. Kenta, Kenta wants that triple threat yeah, fire. Like, I yeah. saw it. He tweeted Kenta I, I versus CM Punk versus I, Logan Paul. I don't know if he wants that fire because <laughs> we know CM Punk don't. Yep. Uh, next up, we had the six woman tag team match extravaganza. As the team of Trish Stratus, Lita, and Becky Lynch, your WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, defeated the damage control team of Bailey, Dakota Kai, and EO Sky in 14 minutes and 40 seconds. And I'm going to give you some takeaways before I pass it on over to you, Ken, and get your real feelings. I'm going to say this. Very surprised, but happy that Bailey ate the pin mm-hmm. because far too many times, usually when you have the younger you know, wrestlers, whether women or men are in a match, they're there to eat the pin. I thought it was interesting to go with the veteran eating the pin for the, uh, for the loss. On top of that, I thought they did a good job of showcasing <coughs> both Dakota Kai and EO Sky in this match. And let's be honest. We said it before. You got two Hall of Famers, two future Hall of Famers, and two young women who, given the right circumstances, could be Hall of Famers. All in this match, so it's a generational match. It's the the attitude slash ruthless aggression era versus the modern day versus the future. I mean, kind of like obviously, you know, the teams didn't work out that way, but you know what I mean. How'd you feel about the six woman tag team extravaganza? Can M? I thought it was solid. I thought Lita was off key a couple times, mm-hmm. and I thought it was very noticeable. So I don't want to say this was my least favorite match of the night, but it was one that I think I remember for not being on that level, but it was nothing against everybody involved. I thought they, they did the best with what they had. And I thought it was a great showcase for Dakota and EO too. Like I, I was really impressed with their performances here and I was surprised, but happily surprised to Bailey ate the pin. Mm-hmm. Padawan J. No, I agree with what Ken said. The match was good. You know, I, I noted, I picked up two Lita was a little bit, uh, you know, uh, lagging a little bit. Definitely but, the weak spot of the match. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But the rest of it was great. You know, it was, it was awesome to see Lita and Trish, you know, make entrances at WrestleMania again. You know, happy to see, you know, the faces won. I wasn't quite sure what they were going to do, you know, given the belts weren't on the line. So you could have had, you know, Becky or Lita eat the pin. But the fact that they got the win and Bailey took the pin, surprised. But, I, but it was a good match. Well, I'm going to say this. This was my least favorite match of night one. Yeah. And I will say with that. You know, we don't grade matches. This was still better than average. Oh, this I agree. Is a good match. I agree. This is above average match. Mm-hmm. I'm not giving it a grade, but if you're saying like, if you're saying a C is like, uh, you know, an average match, this is a C plus B minus kind of match. Not a bad. I would even say probably B minus on the low. I would give it a B minus. I agree 100. percent So if I'm really gonna grade it, gun to my head, we don't normally do that. So this was still a good match. It wasn't a very good match or a really good. This is my least favorite. Now that should tell you how it felt about the rest of the night. I was gonna this say my least favorite. And I still yeah. thought it was a good match. I do think Lita was. I with both of you, I think Lita was the weakest part of this match. 
much. I don't know if it's age finally getting to her or whatever, and that's fine. I get it. I'm glad she was there. Trish looked like a million bucks. Oh, Trish! Like never I'm not talking. I'm not talking about how how uh, of course our, our good my good buddy George that I was watching wrestling with. He was looking for uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Wardrobe malfunction mm-hmm. because uh, I think she <laughs> the tap was a little tight. You know what I mean? Uh, you know we got to be pig headed for a minute here. Uh, but on top of that, I'm not talking about that as looking good. I'm talking about actual in-ring, what she was doing. Yeah, never good. missed a step. And I like the throwback, too, because that was from the last time she was at Mania. Yeah, she did a, a very similar one. There was a yeah. little difference. The boots were different. Because uh, the Mania one, the original one, I went back and looked, and she had those, like, uh, they almost looked like saddle shoes yep. that she was wearing. The boots were underneath, and they looked like saddle shoes. But, yeah, anyways, I thought it was I thought it was great. I mean, once again, nostalgia ran wild. Mm-hmm. Then you have Becky and Bailey, who are two of the best women currently in the world today. And then you have, you know, the two future up and comers, and of course, we had the Bailey uh, cryptic uh, uh, text ma- or tweet. I yeah. Should already, yeah, like the day after of how you know you know rom- something about romantic love and bye. I don't know yeah, if her greatest, contracts up. Quote, I don't know. and the most romantic love story comes to an end by close quote. So I don't know if this was the end of damage control because there's there's talks about that being the fact that you know hey the two are kind of doing their own thing they took a loss on raw the you know the raw after mania mm-hmm. on top of that I think they're both singles wrestlers they can both get it done so maybe they've come along who knows I'm not going to speculate on that but yeah it was just weird yeah the only thing I was thinking and like I say pure speculation they do uh, WWE usually does their house cleaning. After, so who mm, knows? Maybe, maybe something was tipped off. But like I say, pure speculation. Well, I don't think they're going to well, fire Bailey. I, I wouldn't no. think so either, but you never know. And, this, and I'm just doing this based off of pure speculation and just the way people have been talking the last couple of weeks. I think damage control might be getting split up because there's been a lot of talk about EOS, or not EOS guy, Kyrie Sane coming back to WWE. Yeah, I've heard that lately. Because I, if I understand right, and I could be wrong, so don't quote me on it, you know, I believe she's not under contract currently. I, mm-hmm. I can speak on that. She is not under contract, and she has actually been saying that she wants to come back to North America. She has not said where she wants to go. Right. But she said she's open to going anywhere. They asked her about her time in WWE because everybody perceives that it was bad. Yeah. And she said the opposite. She said she'd love to come back and work with right. people. Right. And, and she even said that before she left, Vince told her, you know, hey, if you ever want to come back, the door's always open. And she, and she talked about, you know, either facing Asuka again or teaming up with Asuka again. And, and I know just the other day, she brought up teaming with EO. Yeah. So mm-hmm. could we get a possible triple team with Asuka, EO, and, and and Kyrie Sane? Maybe. Maybe I mean, they're built to it. A lot, lot of possibilities, like we say. We just don't know. But, I mean, going back to that tweet, though, a lot of you know innuendo with that. So people are running a little crazy with it. So we'll just have to Listen, wait and see. Everybody runs crazy with speculation. That's mm-hmm. what they, We don't really do that here. We'll have to play it out and see. But whatever she decides, whether it is a contract thing and it's up and she's yeah. going to leave, or whether it's just because they're breaking up damage control or whatever it is, you know what? Uh, more power exactly. to whatever they she does and every all of them. I think they're all fucking tremendous. And I think no matter what they do, mm-hmm. all three of those ladies, let's fuck it, all six of those ladies are well-deserving of their spots. Absolutely. Next up, we had the heartstrings match, if you will, and also one match that featured two great entrances. And, of course, that would be Rey Mysterio defeating his son Dominic via pinfall, 14 minutes and 55 seconds. Let's set the tone. We first got, and I got to be honest, I got to give the devil his due. We all know that I'm not a big fan of Dominic Mysterio. 
Mm-hmm. But I will say he had a very good entrance at Mania. They had the uh, prison. He was in prison. Ex-con Dom. Yeah. And uh, they, they, they had a whole vignette of him getting released from prison and putting him in the back. And then they brought a paddy wagon out with him in it. And he came out with guards, which uh, shout outs to our, our good friend, Dan Barry. Well, poor mm-hmm. Dan Barry, man, got demoted. He, got to, he was a detective. Now he's back to being a uni. As a matter of fact, I don't even think he's a uni. He's a prison guard, technically. Oh, shit. He got you know double I mean? demoted. Double, double demoted. But still shout outs because we see you. We love you, Dan. And uh, he, uh, he, they brought him to the ring. Yep. He was in the Rey Mysterio Halloween Havoc mask. It also yeah. inspired gear, which I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. I've given him all the credit in the world for it. I thought it was a cool entrance. However, I know a lot of our friends also thought it was a cool entrance. But let's be honest. The entrance of one Rey Mysterio. Yeah. Coming in Snoop Dogg's personal lowrider. First, uh, nothing but a G thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then it goes into Viva La Raza. We get a little Eddie Guerrero. And then before going into Rey Mysterio's theme to come to the ring and his great Muda-inspired superhero mask was super fucking cool on yeah. top of all of that. So I, I got to say, I love the entrance for, for both of these. Let's bust down the match now. Padawan Jay, you're up first. What did you think of Dom versus Rey Mysterio? Well, before anything else, don't let listen to what a word Ken says. This was his favorite match of the weekend. Uh, no, I, I agree with you 110% that the entrances were awesome. You know, Dom, which I was like, I'm don't not going to really care for what he does. Even Dom's got a chuckle out of me. I, I enjoyed it. And the match was a little bit better than I was expecting. Although, admittedly, I was going in with a bar that was set near the floor. I'm, I'm going to say this. It was way better than I expected it because my bar was so low. Yeah. That it, there, it, there was only one way to go. But with that, I'm going to say I was pleasantly entertained. No, I was too. You know, the match was good. You know, you had the moments with the family, which you knew were going to happen. You know, he had a bunch of family in attendance, you know, given that it was Hall of Fame. He was going in the Hall of Fame. But, you know, you had the moments with, with Angie and Aaliyah and the slap heard around the world. You know, it, it, it ended up being a good match. They booked those moments very well. By the way, I just want to give a shout out because they didn't they didn't shout her out on purpose. But uh, Dom's fiance was also next to his yes. sister out there. Yes. And uh, congratulations on that because I think they just got engaged not that long ago. So congratulations, yeah. Dominic Mysterio yeah. and his lovely, lovely fiance uh, who was out there trying not to like get on camera, but still got caught a couple of times. So I thought that was funny, but nobody would have known who it was anyway. Some people might have just thought it was Aaliyah's friend. Uh, go ahead, Ken. I know that uh, you did love this match regardless of what you're about to say. Ray had a great entrance. Ray's mask looked amazing. Ray had such an amazing performance as a Hall of Famer. I was so happy Ray won. Ray's mask, uh, fun fact, uh, worked on by the folks over at Marvel. Yes. Yes. True story. So kudos to Ray. It was a phenomenal performance by Ray Mysterio, obviously capping off the Hall of Fame weekend for him. If any of you want to send Ken Dominic Mysterio merchandise, hit me up on Twitter. Uh, I will give you an address to send it to. And it's a size large if it's a shirt. Uh, with that being said, I'm going to say it. Listen, I got to give him his flowers yeah. because you got to give the. You know what? I like to like to. I don't. I'm not impressed by Dominic Mysterio at all. Yeah, you know my. I've not. Too, I've yeah. never been secretive about that. If you listen to 607 TWS, you know that I really think that you know. No, he's. Uh, but in this match. For what he did, yeah, he botched a couple times. However, I thought that he showed me some poise that I didn't see that maybe he, they can build on. I'm not saying I'm sold yet, but this match he was good in. I thought that the emotion was there. I thought that he took care of the emotion. I thought that he he didn't rush for being a young man, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting. So I'll give him that poise. Um, I love the fact that, you know, obviously the mother slap was perfect. Him throwing the water on his sister. I didn't see that coming. That was crazy. Yeah. You know, dude, as a father, as a parent, I marked hard 
when Ray gets and fucking starts smacking him. He's trapped over the buckle, and Ray just starts beating him with a belt. Mm-hmm. It was fucking great. Yeah. But anyways, I know you want to say something, Ed. No, I say I have to echo on your statement too. I thought this was arguably Dominic's best performance to date. Still got a long ways to go, but I thought he really stepped it up for his match against his father. And I like how they set it up for the future, too. Bad Bunny was out there on commentary on the Spanish announce table. At the end of the match, Damian Priest gets ejected, but he left his coat behind. So, of course, uh, he goes out. Well, sorry, he didn't get ejected. The the LWO kind of half-ass ran him off. Yeah. But uh, he left his jacket out there inside. By the way, this is is one of the things I had a problem with. I don't think this is Dominic Mysterio's fault. Why did they put that big of a chain inside of that coat? The brass knucks would have done just fine. No idea. So, anyways, this, this gigantic chain. He gets ready to hit his dad with it and Bad Bunny grabs the fucking chain. So it's going to set up for something. We're going to talk about that a little more when we talk about the Raw After Mania because I'm assuming that it's going to set up for the main event or at least the featured bout at Backlash in Puerto Rico. Of course, we know Bad Bunny will be there as well. Mm-hmm. Now, moving right along, we get into uh, the creme de la creme. We get into the co-main event, if you will, of night one. Uh, I do like how they kind of presented this as a co-main event. I know it wasn't the main. It didn't go on last but they presented it very much co-main event-like. Mm-hmm. And I do like uh, how this is not the la- next-to-last match because I like that they put a little something in between. We'll talk about that in a minute. But, of course, I'm talking about the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship match. Your champion, Charlotte Flair. Probably the most, not probably the most decorated women's champion mm-hmm. in the history of WWE. Defending the title against the 2023 Royal Rumble winner. Not only that, but the Iron Woman Royal Rumble winner. Yeah. As she went from first to last in over an hour, Rhea Ripley. This match got its time. 23 minutes and 35 seconds, making it the second longest match on the entirety of night one. And at the end of the day, your new... WWE SmackDown Women's Champion, Rhea Ripley. And I'm just going to say before I turn this over to you, gentlemen, these two women did not get the main event. And I'm going to give you an exact reason. I think I was right about it. The fact that they gave it to Sammy and KO and the Usos was great because I don't know if any match could follow that. Mm -hmm. Not because the match was – because I'm going to say this. I'm going to shock the world. The match between Rhea and Charlotte was the best match of night one and possibly the best match of both nights of WrestleMania. I agree. Possibly. I, I throw it up there. It was a better match even than the, the main event. However, the main event had so much, and when we talk about it, had so much emotion tied with it, I don't think the crowd would have emotionally come back from yes. that match to appreciate this match, even if it was the exact same match. So I kudos to them, and I know Charlotte was a little upset about it. I think Rhea was probably a little upset about it. But you know what? Instead of going, uh, let's use an AEW storyline that's going on right now, instead of going on Twitter and bitching and whining about it, mm-hmm. they said their piece. We know Charlotte did. We didn't hear Rhea say anything, but Charlotte said her piece. But then they went out there and showed, hey, fuck it, we might not be the main, but we're going to steal this fucking show and woo purposely do the woo they stole the show let's go to ken m what did you think about it match of the weekend uh in all honesty i thought from start to finish top to bottom this really stole the show and i mean and going with how great the card was it says a lot because just for pure in-ring work nobody touched this nobody did and i i love the setups here i thought charlotte I'm glad she didn't get hurt because a couple of the suplexes she took <coughs> did not arc the, the right way. Charlotte, the selling machine. Yeah, and you knew that she really wanted to put Rhea over in this one. 
Love this top to bottom. Fucking kudos. Padawan J. Uh, no, I agree. This match was incredible. And I agree with you, Rich, about, you know, just with the placement of the card and where it ended up. Because should it have been the main event of this night? Yeah, you can make that argument. But I think given the fact that how invested the crowd is and, and the, the quote-unquote WWE universe is with everything Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn going into this match... If you were to flop places on the card, you could have put a moment in between a la WrestleMania 30 where you had Hogan, where you had Stone Cold, and where you had Rock come out as kind of like an in-between buffer, kind of let the crowd build down. And I don't think the crowd would have come back from being as spent and burnt out and everything else as they would have been if the tag match went on as the co-main. You know, so listen, it, it's not a slight against Rhea. It's not a slight against Charlotte. They're two of the best performers on that roster. And that was the best match of the weekend. And it's one I want to see run back for a third time because, hey, let's face it, in the matchup, they're both one and one. So we're going to see it again at some point. But use this moment as the chip on your shoulder like, hey, we should have been the main event. We're Next time we come back, we will be the main event. Oh, I'll say that. It's definitely there. Uh, where they, they like I said, they, where the thing is, is the crowd did bounce back because the emotions involved in the main event. I just don't think that the, the emotional change and there's nothing against these ladies because I'm going to take it a step further. Not only do I think this is the best match of the weekend, not only do I think this, this is definitely mania match period of the, the weekend, I will take it a step further and say, and I don't want to say it's the greatest because I'd have to go back and watch and make sure. But this is top three women's match of all time easy. Mm-hmm. It's in that top three. I, I And I'm, 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 I'm saying two or one, but I need to go back and watch some of the one matches that I put in front of it. And I, if you disagree with it, that's fine. I don't know what, what matrix you're looking at to disagree with it. <coughs> watch that match. Perfect. You watch the, the, what the, both these women do, the selling from both of them. You watch the, the sympathy moments where you think – you know, it's going to end. The crowd is hanging on the edge of their seats. They might not have been as emotionally invested in this because the storyline wasn't an emotional one. However, they were very much into the action mm-hmm. and, and hanging on every move. And that is something amazing because usually to get people to hang on everything, you have to have them emotionally attached. Mm. And these two women went out there and said, no, 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 no. We can do it with just being as damn good as we are. And I got to give them credit too because for me, this matchup was probably the one I'd lock. I knew Rhea was going to win. So I was like, all right. And obviously there was a chance Charlotte could have won with however they wanted to do the story. But to me, I'm looking at the, at the curve going, all right, if I had to pick one lock, the like this person's going to win and Rhea was it. So I went into this matchup going, all right, how are you? I'm so certain Rhea's going to win this. How are you going to keep me enticed to watch how this goes from bell to bell? And they did. Oh, absolutely. And I think that that's, that's, that's a testament to both of them. Once again, I, I know there's a lot of people <laughs> who like to complain about Charlotte Flair. Mm-hmm. You know, she got what she got because of her name. And I've always argued this, and I'll argue it today again. Watch that match. Yeah, it's nice that she has the name Flair, but don't tell me she didn't perform in that match. The name helps, but it don't bring on talent. Yep. And I'll tell you what, man. She definitely wanted to make Rhea. You could see after the match. I think that the camera guy, I did like some of the shots, but I think he hung on it too long of her sitting outside the ring. Because once again, just like when Sasha, when Bianca Belair sorry, beat Sasha at Mania a couple years ago, and you could see the proudness in Sasha's face and they accidentally caught it on camera, which is fine to get those little peaks. Mm-hmm. But you should have stayed on it too long and they got away from it quickly because they understood that she was just really proud of Bianca. You got that from from Charlotte because right. she was sitting outside the ring and she was supposed to be exhausted and everything, and she couldn't help but smile. Mm-hmm. And I know we all know how proud she is of Bianca and of Rhea, and so to be out there with Rhea, I'm sure meant the absolute world to Charlotte to have that moment. Right. And listen, 
I couldn't find a problem with that match. I mean, obviously, there's probably a couple botches when you watch it, but fuck, every match is going to have those. That match was great Mm -hmm. from start to finish. Next up, we had a little bit of in-between because the host, host, that's right, of WrestleMania, The Miz and Snoop Dogg. The dog father. Came to the ring, and basically The Miz went off and said that, uh, you know, hey, he, he, he had to, you know, put an open challenge out there, but nobody wanted to accept it. So, you know, he was happy to be the host. And uh, Snoop was like, well, you know, we could fix that now. Does anybody want to come out? And who do we get come out, Padawan J? Pat McAfee. That's right. And, of course, I thought Michael Cole was going to lose his voice. Yeah. Because he was super excited to see his friend. So Pat McAfee ends up taking on The Miz. This match only got three minutes and 40 seconds because it wasn't like a match match. A lot of fun. Uh, George Kittles got a, yeah. little, uh, got a little involved in this match, which yeah. was a lot of fun as well. But uh, Pat McAfee stays undefeated at WrestleMania in three minutes and 40 seconds as he defeats The Miz to give you a little buffer in between the co-main event and main event, if you will, borrowing from the UFC, the uh, new partner of World Wrestling Entertainment. Pat McAfee and Michael Cole, the only two announcers undefeated at WrestleMania. Yep. That's right. And that's why I think they're they're boys. Actually, they just have a lot of fun. I, I do also do love that this week it came out that Pat McAfee said that uh, originally when he got the lawsuit, he thought it was a rib from Michael Cole. Oh, really? <laughs> from the Brett Favre lawsuit. He said he's like, the first reason I didn't take it serious when I first got it was because I thought I was being ribbed by Michael Cole from the WWE. Like, yeah. That's so I funny. guess the relationship is that good. Now it's time to talk about the main event of the evening for the WWE Undisputed Tag Team Championships, your champions, and the longest reigning champions in the history of the tag division, Mm -hmm. Jimmy and Jay, the Usos, members of the Bloodline, and of course, they took on the team of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, and uh, listen, man, this match, first of all, I was very confused about the little Uzi, uh, yeah, yeah. I was kind of confused about that, but I mean, I guess they wanted to sneak some more star power, and uh, going to the other thing, neither team got really big entrances, other than that, really surprised, but I will say this. I love the PWG logos on mm-hmm. uh, the on the uh, trunks or the shorts and tights, if you will, of Sami Zayn and uh, Kevin Owens, who both put that over insanely in their press conference because they they grieved they're there. This match got twenty four minutes and fifteen seconds at the end of the day, and your new undisputed tag team champions, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. This match was the emotional draw it was supposed to be. Uh, listen, Padawan Jay, speak on it. No, this match was great. Like like you, the only downside for me was Lil Uzi Vert coming out, which, listen, he's from Philly, not California, so I didn't quite understand that. And, and then I'm thinking, well, maybe he's got something to do with the entrance with the Usos. Well, no, wait. The Usos wrapped their own entrance, so not sure why they did it. Ken, why did they do it? Reasons. Reasons. I would also like to point out that it's probably because they're going to have Meek Mill next year, so they had to get a Philly rapper because I don't think there's going to be a spot for him on the card next year. Just throw it out there. It could be, but but still, you know, him coming down with the ring, it it was cool for what it was. You know, it wasn't the greatest thing, it wasn't the worst thing. Match, absolutely incredible start to finish. You know, was the payoff to to the story they've built with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, you know, and and Sami... and, and the moment he shared after the match with his wife, you know, at ringside, you know, kind of crying and like he had the moment, you know, and, and and Kevin and Sammy standing there in the ring as the pyro went off right at the end. Just absolutely incredible chef's kiss. Absolutely. Ken M. My favorite match of the weekend because <laughs> I'm a huge Kevin Owens fan, huge Sammy Zayn fan. This was finishing the story to the letter, the most emotionally charged match of the weekend, and it delivered. This is why we watch as fans. And this is why everybody has been so invested. This is why it crossed over to pop culture. All eyes were on this match this weekend, and it delivered on top to bottom. Uh, 
can't say anything wrong about it. Well, I'll say this. I thought that they, they this match was perfect for what it was. I mean, we go through a good section of the match where the Usos are just kicking the living shit out of Sami Zayn, mm-hmm. but they did it in such a believable faction. They didn't do uh, the Usos must have you know learning something, taking a page out of Roman Reigns' book, uh, which I think is very smart. And it was like super kick, pin, kick out, double super kick, can't pin, kick out, Uso splash, pin, kick out. But it wasn't that quick. Yeah. It, there was time in between. Yeah. They're shit-talking him. They're berating him. They, they, they know he has to beat. Kevin Owens is gone. He, they put him through a table. So now they're just really just beating down Sami Zayn. And then you can see the frustration start to creep in every time he get, kicks out. And, of course, finally they hit him with the, the 1D, the one and done. Mm-hmm. And nobody kicks out of the 1D, but Sami Zayn kicks out two and nine-tenths, yep. if Closest you will. Closest I've ever seen. And the crowd goes nuts, and you see the look. And it was an interesting look because the next night, and we'll talk about it in a minute, and in the next segment, we saw Roman have a different look. But Jey Uso, instead of having the Roman concerned look, had an angry look. Mm-hmm. It was almost like you're defying me to the point that I've killed you in this ring, and you won't give me the pin. And then, of course, we got the the, the wonderful uh, comeback from Sammy. But this is where the difference in the Waller match. Sammy gets the exploder into the corner, but then he goes right back to the ground. And it looks like he's going to get the one and done from the middle rope. And then, you know, there's Kevin to save the day. And that starts building us into the finale, which, of course, gives us the wonderful three halluva kicks. And that's another part where I loved the way that they did that. He hits him with a halluva kick. Jay falls into Sammy's arms. Sammy looks at him, says something to him. I didn't catch what he said. I was hoping somebody would write it. But he says something to him storyline-wise. Yeah. It wasn't anything to do with with whatever. I don't know if it was like, I love you or whatever. Like It was an yeah. emotional thing. Yeah. Picks him back up, puts him in the corner, and then with great anger runs to the other side and does it again with more force. But the second one was the only one where there was anger behind it. Yeah. And he catches him again. And then that last time he puts him up and he goes across and he makes this moment. And it feels like it was probably 30 seconds, but it felt like forever. And he almost has compassion. Mm-hmm. And then he just goes. Third halluva kick, just lets Jay fall to the ground, cover, hooks the leg deep, one, two, three, new champions, and then the emotion starts. I thought it was beautiful. And we got to give Kevin Owens credit in that moment, too, because before Sammy hits the three halluva kicks, Kevin Owens was the legal man. And he looked at what was going on, and he looked at Sammy, and he realized, this is your moment. And he tagged Sammy in, and he gave Sammy, you know, the chance to get the pinfall and the crowd to really explode. Yeah, and I, I thought it was perfect. I, I just loved the, the the storytelling. You know, you see some of that emotional storytelling reminded me in a non-retirement style of of two moments that were retirement matches. Think about how weird this is. The moment in that match brought the emotions of Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, mm-hmm. and Shawn Michaels and the Undertaker. Yeah, and, you know, with Rick, you know, the, of course the Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair. I love you. Super kicks him, pins him, and then of course the Undertaker. Undertaker why won't you stay down just stay down i don't want to hurt you anymore just stay down and he defiantly gives him the throat slip before taker gives him the final tombstone and i thought that you know we didn't get like a defiancy but it was that emotional and that's why i said i don't think you bounce back from that as the crowd right because right. the crowd was happy they were when they won it was a loud three it was a beautiful moment pyro's going off they're having an emotional moment i love the press conference with them where you know basically they both explained like hey it was very emo i didn't really you know we knew what was going to happen we're pros you know i felt like some feelings would come in, but I didn't know it was going to hit me like that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, obviously 
shout outs to Kevin Owens for listen, there were Snickers bars on the table and I, I literally saw them. And I'm like, if he doesn't eat at least one of those Snickers bars, I'm going to be upset. Cause I mean, I know I'd eat one of the Snickers bars. Mm. He got two. I was happy about that, but all jokes aside, I loved at the end how he uh, once again said, you know, you know, we thanked PWG because without them, we wouldn't be in WWE. However, we got two more people. I'd like, you know, two more, you know, individuals, if you will, yeah. that I would like to. And first off is the Usos, because even though everybody loves them and you, they're appreciated, no matter what, they're, they're underappreciated because they're the greatest tag team in the world, period. I thought that was very, mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. upstanding. To, and then last but not least, he's like, if PWG is the reason we're here, the other reason we're here is because of a team called the Briscoes and uh, Jay and Mark, and we just lost Jay. And I hope you were watching. You're proud. I thought that was fucking beautiful. Yeah, it was. beautiful moment. Caught Amazing Sammy moment. off guard with that one. Yeah, it was a beautiful moment, and it was just like I, I'm glad that he was able to think. And I was also uh, very glad that he put over the Usos because they deserve. They're you know a lot of people like you know. And once again, I love the FTR and stuff. A lot of people like to be like FTR is the best in the world. But are they? Are they the Usos? We won't know unless they face each other mm-hmm. <laughs> at this stage in the career. Right. I, I, after that match, I loved what Sammy and Kevin did in that match, emotional-wise, but I also loved what Jay and Jimmy did. Mm-hmm. They also were selling how emo- – like, this match wasn't mostly about the moves. It was more about the emotion of the match and the, uh, the cathartic releases from both teams. Mm-hmm. And I thought that it told a beautiful story. Jimmy, it was weird because he was more worried. His face had a worried tone to it. And Jay, just every time Sammy kicked out, got angrier. Like it was almost like it was consuming him. Mm-hmm. And I thought that it was just a beautiful story to tell. So great night one, by the way. I want to say this night one of WrestleMania blew away night two. I'm not trying to dissemble before no, we talk no, about no, the second no, segment. No. But yes. I'm going to also go on a level and say night one of WrestleMania 39 probably outdoes most WrestleManias. I've only seen mm-hmm. from WrestleMania 30 up through 39, so I don't have exactly a long list to draw from, but from the ones I've seen. Yeah, it's it's the best. Without me ranking and Ken, because I know we both seen them all. Top five, easily. Top five. Night e- one, easily. Night one is top five. Top five all time, and I would say that because of night one, because night two wasn't terrible, but because of night one, thirty nine as a whole is top five probably. Yeah, I have to agree with that because I, I would put night one up against anything. Night one stands, yeah, on its own little pedestal, but that night two as a full like you know a, co- a companion piece. It definitely puts it right in top five. Well, we're just going to give you guys a little bit of a break and a little rest, and we're also going to give ourselves a little bit of break and rest. We're going to go to a quick break. When we come back from the break, we're going to hit that second segment. In that segment, we're talking night two WrestleMania review and the Raw after Mania and what it looks like we're going with in the future. And, of course, unfortunately, you know, I'm going to probably have to address uh, the Internet, but, you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. That's coming at you right after this break. Have you ever found yourself confused about the current state of the MCU or whatever the hell is happening with the DC universe? Do you often have no idea what the hell the difference is between craft beer and that butt ice stuff at the gas station? Well, then look no further. We present to you Hops Geek News. We're yet another geek and beer podcast in an already oversaturated market. All right, all right. We drink and we pretend we know things. More often than not, we don't really know things, but we do talk some really great topics, and we most definitely can drink. We'll deliver you news and then dive into any random topic you might have never knew you actually were passionate about. With lots of fun facts about beer. And from Marvel to DC and Star Wars, and to why Die Hard is most definitely a Christmas movie. Which it is. Basically anything that our spouses are sick of hearing us talk about. 
Join us on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts. New episodes weekly. Just search Hops News. We are coming back from the break, continuing the WrestleMania 39 review. Of course, we are going to kick right on over to night number two, going down April 2nd from SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California. And night two's attendance, let's throw it out there, 81,395. And if you add it to night one, the combined attendance for both nights, 161,892. Remind me again why they're never going to switch from two days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really. You can get one night at 80,000 or, or 81,000, or you could get two nights at 160-some thousand. Uh, and listen, I'm I'm going to say this before we go in. I'm so happy, even though it's a lot of wrestling to consume, that it's still two days. Yes. Because watching two four-hour shows, listen, is better than eight. And I don't care about the argument. I've heard it before. But have if, for the people who argued, have you been to WrestleMania Live? Because I was at 35, and I was in that building for 10 to 12 hours. Right. I, I Never again. <laughs> I was at 29, way too long. Well, yeah. and even remember, what was it, 32 in, in Dallas the first time in the new Cowboys Stadium where it felt like it went. I think we timed it because you and I can watch it. It's the, the pre-show started at like 5 in the afternoon, mm-hmm. and it didn't finish until after 1 a.m. Yep. We got to, just for my story alone from WrestleMania 35, which was the last one-night WrestleMania, uh, we got to <clears throat> MetLife. Doors opened at 2. We were there when, doors, when the doors opened. The pre-show stuff for the live crowd, which they were showing on the network, too. Sure. But the pre-show stuff that they were starting started at 3.30 or 4. Jesus. The main card didn't start till 7. Oy. And there was that year, there was like five or six pre-show matches. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, you had the entire card, which was like 13 matches, you know, whatever. We left before the main event, thankfully, because there was an issue with uh, public transportation because we took the train because we parked away. So it would yeah, be cheaper yeah, yeah, getting yeah. it out easier. But New Jersey Transit guys, shit got crosswired and they all went home after. We ended up on the last train out a little after midnight. So we... By the time we were leaving, Joan Jett was taking the stage for Ronda Rousey's entrance. So the main event didn't start until after 12. It was like 12.15 when we were leaving. Mm-hmm. Something like that, yeah. So, yeah. Thankfully, we left, though, because there was people stuck there until like 4 or 5 in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. I'm <laughs> Woo. Dodged a bullet there. Now, well, <coughs> let's talk about night two, shall we? Let's jump into what they want to talk about instead of just going over our past. Uh, the f- opening contest of night two featured uh, Brock Lesnar. Defeating Omus in four minutes and 55 seconds. Uh, you know what I said on the preview show? I said this match was going to surprise a lot of people because as long as they kept it sub 10 minutes, preferably sub eight minutes, and we got the suplex spot and the F5 spot, the crowd was going to be popping and happy. By the way, putting this first out was the smart mm-hmm. bet, and we got both of those spots. How'd you feel about it, Ken M? Thought it did what it needed to do. We had the big spot moments, and that was it. And that's all it needed to be. Absolutely. Pad. No, this match was a lot like I ex- what I expect from a, a heavyweight title fight or a heavyweight match in UFC. I'm not going into this fight expecting, you know, ground and pound, you know, well, maybe a little ground and pound, but I'm not expecting a real technical, you know, wrestling match between two UFC heavyweights. Guys of Omos and Brock Lesnar size, I'm not exactly expecting a technical wrestling clinic, the likes of which we haven't seen since Bret Hart. You know, I'm expecting two guys to go out there, hit their moves, beat the shit out of each other, maybe a slight, make it look like a slight car wreck with they're just crashing into each other and going nuts. 
go home happy. And that's what this was. You know, they hit their moves. They, they Brock, you know, managed to pick up Omas and suplex him a couple of times. F five, which was impressive as all hell. You know, he's you know Omas seven foot three, seven foot four, whatever the hell he is. He's four hundred ten pounds. You know, the fact that he's a foot taller than Brock. You know, he got him up. It was impressive. It, it, the crowd really got into it. So crowd, that crowd was standing. The, mm-hmm. the the match was what it needed to be. It was, it was good. Yeah, uh, giving credit where credit's due. Omas, man, got the heat in the match. Yeah. Like he started off the match beating down Lesnar. The heat looked good. He was taking his time. I don't, you know, Lesnar got the kid to calm down and it was good. Uh, and then Lesnar did what he needed to do. It was very short. Once again, uh, somebody was like, well, you know, that short is it really a match? I'm like, well, listen, if you're familiar like us and we watch MMA events, five minute rounds right in the UFC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, most heavyweight title fights don't make it to the to the second round. Right. <laughs> like, I, I would say most heavyweight fights are over before the second round. Uh, or, well, sorry, before the third round. So go two rounds or less. But I would say a good portion of them end in the first. Yeah. Uh, because when you put two big bulls in there, mm-hmm. it nope. only takes one punch to get it done. Not yeah. a lot of submissions. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's rare to see, like, uh, the first round submission like we just saw with John Jones winning the UFC heavyweight championship. That's a rare thing to do. But once again, did you, man- did you hear what I said? First round submission. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't go past two minutes and 38 seconds. So it's normal for the two big bulls to go a short period. And I think that's... I think that's the way that you should book that kind of fight. Mwah. It was perfect. Kudos to the agents in the back. Kudos to Brock and Omas for getting it done. And the crowd loved it. Dude, when he gets them up for that F5, yeah. well, they did the Hogan spot. I yep. love that where he tried to give him an S5 and he drops. Mm-hmm. But then when he got the real F5 and that crowd, ooh, man, the whole crowd stood up. You would have thought that the championship was being won. Right. It's great. Uh, second match on the card, the Women's WrestleMania Showcase Fatal 4-Way Tag Team Extravaganza. That's a lot of words. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> of course, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler would defeat Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez, Natalia and Shotzi, and Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville. Uh, the, the end came by armbar submission. Uh, uh, eight minutes and 25 seconds. And this is a tale of two cities because whereas the four way tag for the men was really good. I didn't really get into this one with that being said, I thought Raquel and Liv did a phenomenal job. Mm-hmm. And I also want to give a shout out in this match to Chelsea green and Sonya Deville, yes. who I don't think get a lot of respect, but man, they look good in this match. They took a lot of bumps. They also got a little bit of offense in, uh, I will say this. It was interesting to me that the your victors and the people we want to put over, because obviously we're hearing that there's some cha- chattering that they might become WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey, very little time in the match. Yeah. Well, we also heard rumors that Ronda wasn't healthy, and it looked like Shayna got a foot injury. It looked like, yeah, she took her, she she took her like, shoe off. She lost her shoe. Yeah. So something looked a little off there. And maybe maybe Ronda was a little injured because she didn't do – she disappeared. I don't remember seeing Ronda for – out of the 8 minutes and 25 seconds, I only remember seeing her for the last minute when they went to the finish. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to bring that up. You know, for being the winners of this matchup, and, you know, and figure they give them the shine and they'd emerge victorious, knocking out all the other competitors because they're, you know, their MMA backgrounds. They were almost afterthoughts until the final – 30 seconds of the match because all the other teams between, you know, Chelsea and Sonia live and Raquel and the Natty and Shotzi were doing the bulk of the work. And listen, that's not a slate against Ron or Shayna, but just clearly something else was going on because Shayna, Shayna and Rhonda pretty much got knocked out air quotes of the, of the match and then didn't show up again until they were there to get the pin. You know, so I was like, and and we saw, and everyone watching at home saw Shayna missing her shoes. So we're like, all right, what, what, what the hell's going on? Oh, it's over. Okay. 
Well, also, I want to point out that the real shine in this match was Liv in, in Raquel. Mm. And I thought they did a great job. I love the powerbomb spot where she powerbombed Liv on top of everybody yeah. else out of the ring. And that was all, like, force. That's a powerful woman, that Raquel Rodriguez. Uh, I, you know, I thought, like I said, I think the two teams that shined the most in this match were Liv and Raquel was the top team. Mm-hmm. Second team, Sonya. And, uh, of course, Chelsea Green. I love what they're doing with that gimmick. Uh, once again, it is what it is. My only complaint about the finish of this match, and I got to give it a, you know, we call it down the middle. We try to be fair about mm-hmm. everything. Man, that arm bar looked terrible. Yes. Shotzi never stutter extend the arm. It's like, what do you think, Ronda's really going to break your arm? Just give her the arm. Because when you when you still have your hand arm bent, an arm bar doesn't work for a submission. Right. Just throwing it out there. Yeah, it was just awkward. Yeah, I don't know. I, this was honestly my least favorite Mania match, period. Yeah, I mean, it was tied with me. Yeah, okay. yeah, I'd have to say it's, it's in the bottom tier. Well, you know what, though? It was followed by one of the best. Oh, oh my God. Because, ladies and gentlemen, for the WWE Intercontinental Championship in a triple threat match, your champion, Gunther, took on the Celtic warrior, Sheamus, and the Scottish psychopath, Drew McIntyre. 16 minutes, 40 seconds. And at the end of the day, and still your WWE Intercontinental Champion, Gunther. And I would like to point out hamburger meat. Yes. That's, that's mm-hmm. the word for this match. Two words, hamburger meat. And uh, Ken M, go ahead and start it off. My chest still hurts from watching that match. Clinic, absolute clinic of just a hard-hitting brawl. And the shots that these three gentlemen were taking were out of control. And Gunther's chops were getting matched by Drew. Like, that was the scariest thing for me in this match. Mm-hmm. Because it was literally sounding like shotguns <coughs> were going off. How about the spot where they did the beats of the, the bell, and, and at the same time, Drew was doing a chop in between on Gunther. Yeah. So it was club, chop, club, chop, club, chop. Yeah. What the hell is wrong with these guys? I loved it, but what the hell? Exactly. I, I was just like, this was just uh, absolute demolition derby, and I was here for it. Love this match. Padawan J. This match was easily one of my favorites of the night, one of my favorites of the weekend, because it was a car crash. It was three guys who hit stiff, know that the other guys can take it, and they're not afraid to dish it out, and the other guys aren't afraid to take it. And it, and it showed. There was a lot of trust between the three guys, because when you start throwing that many chops and you start throwing as hard as they did, because Ken's right, some of those sounded like gunshots going off in the middle of the arena that was insane, and some of the loudest I've ever heard in person or coming across television speakers. You know, but just to see the and, and Rich, what you said with between the 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 batting batting of the drums and then the chops with Drew was the darndest thing I've ever seen, and I loved it. You know, th- this honestly, I could see this as a fight forever. Please, oh, absolutely. I don't know if their body's going to hold up for a fight forever, but it was it's tremendous. Listen, all three of these guys, they're hard nose hitters. <laughs> we knew what we were getting into and getting and it delivered on every cylinder. Uh, Gunther's stock went through the fucking roof. So did Seamus and Drew Max. I, I also want to throw out there, man, uh, Triple H said in the press conference, matches like this that he's glad he retired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also, if you haven't seen the picture online of Seamus and oh. uh, Drew Max just laying on the back stairs outside the entrance after the match, and uh, just above it, it says pints. Yeah. <laughs> that was Seamus's quote, pints. That was it. Uh, they deserve all the pints. Absolutely. I'm just throwing that out there. Great match. Next on the list, we have the WWE Raw Women's Championship match. Your champion, Bianca Bell. Air defending the title against Asuka. This match got 16 minutes and five seconds at the end of the day, and still 
your WWE Raw Women's Champion, Bianca Belair. And uh, a lot of people surprised about this one. Uh, I wasn't too surprised. I thought it was a good match. I thought that there were some missed opportunities, and I'm not talking about Asuka winning. I just thought there were some missed opportunities in the match. I did like the setup to the finish because once I saw the uh, the, the, the missed miss, mm-hmm. I was like, I looked at everybody. I'm like, yep, Bianca's winning this match. But uh, Padawan Jay, how do you feel about the match? Surprised at the outcome, you know, just because, it was, like I said last week on the preview show, nothing against Bianca, but she's run through everybody on the Raw roster. So short of switching her over to SmackDown, who's left? You know, and is there somebody they could bring up from NXT that's ready-made for her to take on right now? No. So I figured, you know, we'd have the title change, get some fresh faces in there and get some fresh matchups. But they decided to stick with Bianca. And you know what? Okay, we'll see where this goes. I'm not opposed to it. I'm not shitting on it and saying, oh, you made the wrong choice. You made No. You know what? You have faith in her. She's clearly great. You look at her last, you know, couple of WrestleMania matches she's had. She's incredible. I've got nothing against her, but just interesting to see the choice. You know, it's like the UFC clearing out a division. And it's like, what next? I agree with you there. Kadem, how's your, what do you feel about it? Solid match. I, you know, <coughs> you have two great competitors like this. You kind of know that they're going to go all out and really put on a great performance. I do agree with that. I thought there were some things that they could have added to this match and made, made it stand out a little bit more. But take nothing away. I thought it was a very solid match, and I expect this feud to just keep going. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at it like... I was hoping that even, like I said before on the preview show, if Bianca won, let's get a little bit of aftermatch action just because let's get that slip into madness for Asuka. Asuka did put out a cryptic tweet, which, I, you know, if we, did you have it up? I do. Go ahead and uh, read on it. Well, first of all, the picture is of her scribbling herself out with a red, like, highlighter, yep. like on your phone, but continue to the tweet. So the, this isn't her quote tweeting a tweet that was tweeted out the day prior. So her tweet was from April 3rd. Uh, the tweet she She's quoting is from April 2nd, which pointed out she's now uh, 0-5 at WrestleMania. Uh, But Asuka said, quote, I might as well go back to Japan, but I bet a lot of you guys, my friends, will miss me when I leave WWE? Question mark. Now I need the power of your anger. Let's bring chaos to the boring women's division with me. And then she included the poop emoji. Let's bring chaos to the women's division. Let's bring chaos to the WWE. Close quote. Yeah. Once again, Descent into Madness is there, so at least she's doing it on Twitter, but I think that they should have given a moment to that or even revisited it on the uh, the Raw After Mania. Yeah, that would make So more there's sense. a big drop ball there. Once again, we'll talk about that more in a minute, but congratulations to Bianca Belair. I do oh, think yeah. she deserves everything she has, but I'm, I'm kind of with Pad. And like I said, I compare it to the UFC. She's cleared out a division. Who's next? You know, right now, you, you can't run her and Becky back. Becky's doing the tag division thing. Right. What You know, maybe her and Trish Stratus in some kind of dream match. That'd be cool. That'd for, be amazing. That but... would be cool for an event. Right. But that's not going to get you a long-term book. And there's part of me that really thinks that, and I, I understand WWE being high on her. I'm high on her. I think mm-hmm. she's one of the best women's wrestlers in the world. And I think she, we haven't even seen her final form yet, if you will. Right. I think she's just going to be, she's tremendous. You know, I've gone on to say that if Jade Cargill ever came to WWE, there would be a build for them to main event at WrestleMania. It would be one of the greatest matches of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think that there's an upside for Jade Cargill, and, and basically Bianca's already at the upside, but it's not even the, the perfected side yet. Mm-hmm. The problem is I really think they're looking for a woman's Roman Reigns, and I don't think she's it, unfortunately. But I don't think anybody's it. Right. You know, Roman Reigns is lightning in a bottle. Yes. This is a once. Honestly, I've lived through a lot. 
This is the only time, like when I was a real little kid, was the Ho the last Hogan Giant run was when I was a real little kid. Mm-hmm. Since then, I've seen greats. I've seen The Rock. I've seen Stone Cold. You know, we've seen we witnessed John Cena and everybody in between. <coughs> none of them have done what Roman's done. Right. They were great champions. They were great faces on top, but none of them were in Roman's position. So I'm just throwing it out there. I think that this is a once in a lifetime thing. You're not going to find a female Roman Reigns because we're not going to find another male Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. But I still like, do not get it twisted. I think Bianca Belair is oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Next, we got a little impromptu because uh, The Miz and uh, Snoop Dogg were back out. And Snoop Dogg uh, got a tongue lashing from The Miz as he told him that his suit was super expensive. And the, he went behind his back. We were supposed to be friends. And you booked me in a match. And he goes, oh, what I'm hearing is you want another match. No, 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 no. I don't want another match. And then, Ken, I asked Pat earlier, Ken, who comes out for this match? The man, the myth. The Shane O'Mac. Yes, the Shane, best in the world. Shane O'Mac makes his return. And remember, Vin, for, for everybody thinking that Vince's fingerprints is everywhere, this is going to become a theme in a minute. Uh, remember, it was Vince in a very serious shoot interview, not a fucking worked interview. Mm-hmm. They said that you would never see Shane again because he's ungrateful. Yep. But all of a sudden he's booked on Mania, and but Vince's fingerprints are everywhere. <laughs> I don't know, guys. I, I, I'm just saying. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> unfortunately for Shane McMahon, uh, he was not in this match long because he blew a quad. Uh, yeah. He was honoring his father that night. According to ProfiDB.com, uh, he was in there for a minute and 20 seconds. Well, the entire match was two minutes and 20 seconds because in the greatest show of poise of all time, for somebody who's not even a wrestler, Snoop Dogg didn't miss a beat, got in the ring, told The Miz, you ain't going to do my boy like that, pimp slapped him, and then <laughs> proceeded to punch him again before giving him... I, I'm not going to agree with The Miz and say it was the worst people's elbow. No. But it, it was it was better than his splash. I was going to say, at least it wasn't the frog it splash. It wasn't the Snoop splash. Yeah. It was, very, it was, it was better. And uh, for the win. So Snoop Dogg impromptuly defends the honor of Shane O'Mac and wins a match against The Miz. Yeah. <laughs> nice little, uh, but listen, once again, you need those pieces. Exactly. And kudos to Snoop for, like you say, he picked up on it so quick. Yeah. That it, it could have been this really awkward moment. I love uh, Triple H said it best. He said, there's guys that have been in this business for a long time. Mm-hmm. They would have freaked out and not know what to do. But Snoop, not missing a beat. Fucking right there. I thought it was perfect. Kudos to Snoop Dogg. Now we get into the co-main event of night two of WrestleMania. And, of course, this is brought to you by the Pope's Exorcist. Yes. I love how we had matches that were sponsored. It reminded me of watching indie events. You yes. know how me and Ken will, although they usually have, like, podcasts or whatever that are doing it. And instead, we had, like, movies. And TurboTax made it, it was the main event for both nights. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe. And, and everybody was worried about the Endeavor sale. Like, oh, well, they're going to put advertisements everywhere. They already did that. That's yeah. before Endeavor took over. So let's look at the Hell in a Cell match between Brood Edge <laughs> and the Demon Finn Balor. 18 minutes, 10 seconds. Edge gets the victory in this match. A uh, couple of quick notes before I jump it over to you guys. Uh, first of all, we would have not known this was Brood Edge except for they wrote it on the screen. Yeah. Literally on the Titan Tron. Uh, I, listen, people were pissed about them and him not coming out to the Brood music, but I was okay with Slayer. I didn't understand that mirror mask. Yeah. The wings look cool, though. Yeah. Action figure. The only thing I can think of why they didn't go with the brew music is he's done it twice before already in his feuds with Judgment Day. Yeah. Uh, disappointingly enough, no Gangrel, no Christian, yeah. but nobody yeah. promised that, so I can't take it against the Right, right, that. right. That was just a rumor. And I will point out, it very I, I, I've seen better demon entrances, 
but it was nice to have the old Finn music. Yes. Well, you know what was a little tough, though, is because of the wind. the wind. Yeah, that was yeah. the whole thing. So it wasn't the same. Yeah, because the smoke the smoke effect would have looked better than he had if, if the wind wasn't blowing. The wind, and also if it was just a little bit later in the night, because it was still, a, if it would have yeah. been just a hair darker than it was, I think it would have come off a lot better. This would have been better on next year's WrestleMania, because yes. it'll be nighttime. Because yes. it'll be 8 p.m. Eastern. So it'll be, it would be nighttime. Uh, anyways, not taking anything away from the match. There's the other note that I want to make before I turn it over because it is a big contention in this match. And that, of course, is during this match, uh, there's a spot where Finn Balor gets busted open. And a lot of people on the Internet instantly bitched about them stopping it for blood. Uh, I thought that night, because of the way the ladder hit him, that they stopped it to get concussion check him. We were all wrong, and I don't want to hear about, oh, they just chose not to do blood. No. If you saw the picture that Finn Balor posted of his head after the event, there's a two-inch gash that goes down to uh, uh, the, the, the almost the skull. His skull. And they, during the match, stapled, when they, when they were pausing the match, when everybody was worried and talking shit, oh, it's because he's bleeding, they were stapling his head shut. He's also put out an updated photo of said, of his head. He needed 14 staples. And oh, by the way, they did that with no painkillers. Oh, I want to point out. They also only did the staples to stop it bleeding. They probably yanked those all out to put new ones in the right way after. He literally wanted to continue wrestling, so they made it so he could wrestle. They de- determined he didn't have a concussion. They determined that they could possibly get it to, you know, you know, somewhat to be safer if they stapled it. So literally, well, he's in the ring. They stapled his head. And some idiot had the gall to say, oh, there was a numbing agent well, they put on while he did this. And Finn tweeted to that person specifically in reply and said, quote, there was no effing numbing agent. (laughs) So Uh, I'm going to trust the man who got the 14 staples in his head. So we've seen blood in matches before by accident with Mm -hmm. WWE. Yes, we know for the most part they don't like blood in their (laughs) matches. That is fine. That is a choice that they make. But we have seen it. Edge even had a cut in this match. In the main event, Roman would get a cut on his forehead as well. And so they didn't stop those matches either. The problem was this man's skull was almost exposed. And the fact that he decided to continue and that the doctor felt comfortable enough to staple his head while he was in the ring. And I'm not talking about with a staple. We're talking medical staples. Yeah, medical staples. It's a whole different ballgame. And only just so that they could get through the match. That was all. They deemed it would be safe if they did it, and they just did it. And that's a trooper. So I don't want to hear any of this disrespect to the WWE or to Finn Balor because that was ballsy. Yeah, And thankfully, but they also did check him out. That was a big thing also. They did give him a concussion protocol right away because obviously with a head injury, they did not want it. But he passed protocol. He passed protocol the next day as well. So therefore, he is he's he's fine other than the two-inch gash in his head. Yeah. And uh, he's a soldier, man. Oh, absolutely. I, I want to give all the props to the world before we dive even into the match. Ken M, how'd you feel about it? I applaud the WWE for taking care of their wrestlers and actually checking on them and making sure they were A-OK to keep performing. Hey. Um, By the way, was it awkward that they stopped? Absolutely. Yeah, but it was the right call. But it was after I saw the pictures, (laughs) it Uh was the right call. Yeah. As a matter of fact, it would have been if they would have stopped the match. I would have fully understood. I would have been fine. Well, and we could t- we could tell when we were watching it was bad because Ken, I know you pointed out that before they stopped the match, the blood was coming out so much that it was actually starting to wipe away some of the f- demon paint on his head. Yeah. And it was also puddling in the ring. Yeah, that was the like, whole there thing. There was puddles. Because when you see he's <coughs> on the apron and Edge throws the ladder, Finn tucks his head down because he knows like he's getting ready to brace for it. He couldn't get his hands up in time, so he, he knew he was going to be bad. We didn't know it was going to be that bad. Yeah. But So the fact he went on, uh, 
kudos to him. He did not need to do that for us. We applaud him for you know going on with the show. The match itself was everything we expected. It was hard hitting. They were not holding anything back. Even after the staples, they were still going at it. I mean, he and, does that coup de gras for the camera holder after yeah after the after the staples. Yeah, it was wild. So this definitely played up to the feud. I, I mean, and I don't need to see it get ran back, to be honest with you. They've done enough in this match. Like, you're not going to top it. Dude, blow-off match. Yeah. That's what yeah. this should be, completely. Yeah. No, this this match was incredible. You know, for anyone talking slander on Fenn, listen, between his match with Roman at SummerSlam where he separated his shoulder and wrestled basically, what was it, like three-quarters or if not more of the entire match with a separated shoulder, mm-hmm. you know. or No, that wasn't Roman. That was that was against, uh, was I forget who it was. But he it was when he won the Universal Championship. Oh, it was Rollins. Uh, that was, okay, thank you. You know, Rollins hit him with the buckle, with the bomb and separated the shoulder. Between this and then wrestling with 14 staples in his goddamn head, I don't want to hear any slander, you know, negative about Finn Balor and how tough he may or may not be. No, this match was awesome. It was everything I expected it to be. I'm good with this being the end. I don't think, you know, the, the feud between Edge and Judgment Day has been going on for so long and it's so meandering and it's, I don't even know where we are with it anymore. But we're at the end, I think. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, I'm fine with this being the end. It was a great match, you know, and, and one of the more memorable Hell in a Cells I've seen. I'm going to say this, uh, big kudos to them staying inside the cell. Mm-hmm. Like it's all cliche now that everybody gets outside the cell and wrestles on top of it. The fact that they booked this whole match and stayed inside the cell to keep everybody out, great. Also, this one on one, I loved it. Uh, it was weird having color coded weapons for no reason. You know, yeah, no, no but I, I still think it was for the people that were watching in the stadium that they could, could tell be. what was going on. Could be. So yeah. I, I do applaud yeah. them for that. But it, it seemed color coded to what they were wearing, right? Red but, and purple. But you know what? I, I think they they did that originally. Like maybe everybody's gonna have a different one and go for it. But I think during the heat of the battle, it's like it, just grab whatever you right. got. I'm not saying I hated it. I'm just saying right. it, was, it was weird to see. Although it was nice to see a regular colored cage back instead of the red one. Yes. <laughs> so I was I was happy there. Uh, overall, though, I thought the match was good. It did what it needed to do. It was definitely a blow off match. Very good. Very entertaining. Like I said, it was an awkward hiccup, but in hindsight, the best hiccup ever. Mm-hmm. The only other thing I could think of with the color coded uh, weapons under the ring is maybe that was like a visual cue for the other wrestlers because between the triple threat for the IC title and then the women's fatal four way tag match. Maybe that was just a way for the wrestlers like, hey, in case you guys go to use any kendo sticks, chairs uh, or tables underneath the ring, the colored ones are off limits because we're re- we're reserving those oh, for the hell in a cell. That's, I think that's could, just my thought. Honestly, you could be right because uh, the tables also were colored. Yeah. Had purple. That, uh, that's but the only thing maybe, I can think. Maybe that's that. You know what? Both of your guys. Good points. Like I said, I'm not deducting points away from mm-hmm. it. I just thought it was odd. But like I said, good <clears> match. Great co-main event, if you will. And now it's time for the main event because uh, – Undisputed WWE Universal Championship was on the line. Your champion, the head of the table, the tribal chief, the big dog, Roman Reigns, on his 945th day as Universal Champion, was going up against the winner of the 2023 Royal Rumble, the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes. And let's just say, we knew the pageantry was coming. Mm -hmm. I love the entrances. Uh, I I loved first of all Cody Rhodes has a great just like the what he wore, 
with the wings on it. Oh my god! The gold. It looked amazing. The pants coming to the ring. You know, picking up his daughter, making a real family moment. Of course, giving the weight belt to uh, <laughs> Brody Jr. Yeah. So negative one from AEW was the one who received, and they mentioned it on air. Of course, his mother was also there. Amanda put out a beautiful post mm-hmm. uh, before and after the match about Cody. So that was really really cool. And then of course Roman. They had the piano. I thought that was cool. They had a bunch of piano players. Of course, I was making jokes about it, but it was still cool. Yeah, it was yeah. very cool. Because yeah. they're playing the uh, the open to the Roman Reigns theme, and then it switches over to the real theme, and then we get Roman, Solo, Sokoa, and Paul Heyman. Of course, he ain't coming alone. Mm-hmm. He's coming with backup because that's how he rolls. And then the match happened, and the match got 34 minutes and 35 seconds. I made the point of saying, because I remember being asked, uh, like, it's got to end before this time. Like, no, no, no. Roman doesn't wrestle under a half hour. Mm-hmm. He doesn't run. It doesn't happen. So 34 minutes, 35 seconds. At the end of the day, the swerve of all swerves and still your WWE undisputed universal champion, Roman Reigns. Uh, as we record, he's on his 947th day as the universal champion. Uh, only five reigns in front of him. He's number six. If he passes 1,000, there will only be three men in front of him. All time, but he is the longest reign in the modern era by uh, almost double. Yeah. Because I think the longest reign was Brock Lesnar at 500 in some days, if I'm not mistaken. So he's going to double Brock pretty soon after this. So pretty impressive stats for Roman Reigns. The match itself, thought it was a classic. It was a clinic. And they told a beautiful story in this match. And I'm going to give two versions. I'm going to take this and then I want to spread it, but I'm going to give two versions and I'm going to say how I felt as a fan. And I'm going to say, then we'll go talk about more stuff later. But this match was beautiful. It was back and forth. Uh, it was the match we thought it was going to be. Cody uh, had to, uh, you know, get over adversity. You know, Solo Sokoa early on involved in the match. Gets ejected from ringside, which I did not see coming. Mm-hmm. And later in the match, you know, there was a ref bump. And the Usos tried to get involved, but Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn saved the day. So they never even get, you know, they get a super kick on him, but then they get ran off. But before they get ran off, Kevin Owens gives a stone cold stutter and then a haluva kick from Sami Zayn to Roman Reigns to even the odds. So yeah, he, you know, there was a super kick and one and done for uh, our good friend Cody Rhodes, but there was also some finishers on the other side. Beautiful moment. Mm-hmm. We're now starting off at zero zero. Now, now all that's at ringside is Paul Heyman. Yeah. And we get a beautiful story because we get a, a, a Japanese strong style moment in this match, mm-hmm. followed by, you know, the dusty flip-flopping glide, baby, some bionic elbow action from Cody leading into what we thought was going to happen. Mm-hmm. It was a rolling, you know, basically a rolling crossroads. He was on number three, and then Paul Heyman's on the apron. Solo Sokoa comes back. Samoan Spike. Spear, one, two, three. It's over. The dream's over. The crowd goes mild. Yeah. This was one of those Undertaker moments, and in, and I'm going to say it. I was, I was fucking mad. Uh, I thought this was the best time. The crowd was hot and was on the edge of their seat for everything. There was every false finish, every two count. Every, this crowd was so ready, and as he started going into those, and that is exactly what I said when we did the preview show, when he started going into the rolling crossroads, that crowd, after the, second, after the first one, was cheering. After the second one, they were to their feet because they knew, and then the third one comes, and they go, oh, my God, we're seeing Roman lose. It's over. He can't kick out. And, and it didn't look like he was going to stop either. So he was probably going to hit five or six. Mm-hmm. 
And then the spike happened. And you're like, fuck. But to be fair, I was angry. And I'm sure I'm going to turn it over to you guys. And you guys can tell your perspectives. I know you guys were angry too. But to be fair, after thinking about it, I will say it still did show what it did for a story. Because now we know that Roman can be beat. Prior to this, no matter, yes, there's been interference before. But in those matches, there was never a time where we felt like the guy had him. Mm -hmm. Like had him, had him, dead to rights. This was the first time we ever saw somebody in this 945-day at the time run. This is the first time we knew somebody had him dead to rights. The match was over. He he was going to lose if it wasn't for Solo. And even then, there was still a question, you know. But I, once again... At the time, I thought it was a mistake. I know somebody, I know John Alba called it a fumble, and I don't blame him for it. I'm not shitting on him. I don't necessarily think it was a fumble, but now hindsight, you know, we've got a couple days to let it breathe. I have my reasonings. But before we ever get to those things, I want to pass it around. Padawan Jay, what were your thoughts on the main event of WrestleMania? So the match itself was absolutely incredible. You know, in the admittedly brief time I've been watching professional wrestling and WWE and independence and everything else, I have never seen... Two wrestlers, and you factor in Solo and Paul Heyman and and everything else, but between Cody and Roman themselves, hold an entire crowd, no matter what the size is, whether it's one person or 81,000 people, in the palm of their hand the way those two did. Where every moment in this match, big, small, or otherwise, felt like the moment in the match people would be talking about for decades down the road. You know, so kudos to the both of them. I was absolutely convinced for this match, Cody was going to win. I said so on, on you know, the show last week. I You know, and, and much like you, for the entire run that Roman has been on as, as champion, you know, I never thought Roman would lose. You'd, you'd go into a match, no matter who he was facing, Drew McIntyre, you know, Kevin Owens, whoever, Sami Zayn, whoever it was. I always do not, nah, Roman's still going to win. This was the one where I thought, Roman was finally going to lose. And I got to give WWE credit that they got an emotion out of me. I have not felt since like the Patriots lost the Super Bowl, the Yankees lost in the World Series, you know, or any of my other favorite teams have lost the big game where, you know, any of the times the Patriots have lost the Super Bowl, I have turned off sports pages I follow on social media that like they're all they're talking about is how my team got beat and they're showing all the photos and they're showing all the video of the other team celebrating in the locker room and the champagne going off. And I don't want to see this. I'm, you know, I'm muting you for 30 days. Mm-hmm. I did that on, on Monday, you know, after this, cause I, you know what? I just didn't want to see it because I was that upset and frustrated and pissed off about it because I'm like, why the fuck did this happen? But you know what? It was incredible. You you suckered 81,000, well, well, a little under 81,000, you know, 395, but whatever the number ends up being, and then plus everyone watching at home. You swerved a lot of people, myself included, when I had it absolutely convinced, and, and kudos to you. You know, you got a lot of emotions out of me, which I did not think you could do in this day and age. Oh, I agree. Uh, before I pass it to Ken, I do want to point some things out because I, I want to open with this part for Ken. Uh, so going into this, we always had that rumor going on that Cody wasn't getting reaction and uh, Cody wasn't going to get cheered at Mania. And even now, even after it, I've seen a couple people with some videos allegedly that show the real crowd reaction, which is bullshit because here's the problem. I don't need to just hear with my ears. I can see with my eyes. You know what I mean? And I saw 
the people standing up and cheering. And I also saw the people standing there silent in shock after the match. You know, there was definitely the, the Undertaker losing the Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 30 vibe going on. So I don't need doctored or non-doctored or whatever audio to tell me what the fuck happened. But if you're on that tip, that's fine. I don't believe in convincing anybody of anything they believe. It's just, you know, know your role and whatever. The one that you need to know is that between the Raw after and WrestleMania night two, was the first time we ever saw Roman Reigns get booed during his Acknowledge Me. Mm-hmm. The first time he's ever been booed during his Acknowledge Me. Think about it. Usually there's a few out there, but most of the fact you see, you hear the pop and everybody puts the ones up. We could count how many people behind him. I don't know how many people in the whole stadium, but just looking behind him, it was a smattering of ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, literally yeah. when it used to be everybody everybody was on board so don't tell me the crowd wasn't behind Cody and that oh oh <laughs> it was pretty fucking phenomenal so listen once again I don't understand why people want to make downplay things or think that things are whatever you know maybe it's because you're upset because you guys weren't saying that that night when everybody was saying oh they could have made the next John Cena but no 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 you know the following days as much as it was uh, you you tried to get that smoke and you put a, a thing about him not getting a reaction, and nobody wanted the smoke. I guess that on night two, mm-hmm. night. <laughs> so go ahead. Yeah, I was trying to find the numbers for it because this set all types of records for viewership and and yeah. all that. Like, yeah. there's a gra- there's a graphic out there on the WWE social media, I believe, that had all the breakdown for it. Because when you had such a buildup for this, you knew it was going to be a lot of pressure on everybody to deliver, and they did. And as a fan. I was livid because the only thing I could think to myself was adrenaline in my soul. Oh, no. Oh, no. Cody Mm -hmm. Rhodes. Because this was the moment, and being somebody that's gone to Mania, being somebody that's gone to many events, and Rich has touched upon this from his time working in the business, you get to that moment where the crowd is ready, and you're not going to be able to recapture that magic than the moment you're in. And I felt personally that it was that night. Like they should have done it. Called the audible and, and I will stand by that. I understand after I calmed down and watched the media scrums kind of where I think they were going because my initial <coughs> instinct was looking at Cody's record coming back to the WWE. So we're talking Seth Rollins program. Yep. He got hurt during that program. He came back at the Royal Rumble. When we're looking at his body of work in the WWE alone, he's only faced a handful of wrestlers. Sure. So there was also part of me that was thinking they weren't going to let the guy that just came back from AEW get the win at WrestleMania because it's cool what you did outside of here, but you're now back home. You need to reestablish yourself to the WWE universe. And he was on the way to do it, mind you. Mm -hmm. But I feel that looking at it in that perspective, that he wasn't ready for the WWE universe to have him on that same level as Roman. Because this tied into what Roman was saying at at the media scrum too, where he's calling out and saying, what I've, and I'll paraphrase, what I've done during this run has been the best work of my career. And it's not, you know, all the accolades and the championship run. I've raised the stock of my family, the stock of the bloodline. I've elevated them to that superstar level. 
I'm begging somebody to step up to my level. And when he said that, I go, you know what? There is some truth here that Cody, even though we watch all types of wrestling, isn't perceived that way by someone in the WWE universe because he's been gone so long. Right. So that could have that negative connotation to it. So I understand why. And then what leads into Raw After Mania, it makes more sense because there's only two directions we can go from now with Roman. One, and it's due to that statement he said about elevating my family to that level, we're going back to where the story all began with Jey Uso. Or we're going to have the Cody road to redemption, so to speak, and I think that that's the road we're going to now. May I borrow something weird? Weird, you know. Pad self-admittingly doesn't has didn't watch wrestling until later on. Yep. So he's gone going back and doing his homework and watching a lot of old shows, and that's awesome. And uh, we were before the show kind of talking about uh, Starcade '83, the first Starcade, uh, Flair for the Gold. Yep. How about we just change it to Roads for the Gold, mm. and uh, or Roads to the Gold yeah. if you want to change it even a little more? Because I think that's what they're on. We'll talk about that in a minute. But to go to the graphic, uh, I have it here. It was on Instagram. Uh, these are, and mind you, we don't really care about the money, but we're going to mention it because it's all the, the records. So viewership, largest audience in WrestleMania history. Mm-hmm. That's just watching alone at home. Sponsorship revenue record 20 million plus doubling the record set in 2022. So record was set last year and they doubled it. Gate, a record $21.6 million plus with 161,892 in attendance over the two days. <coughs> Merchandise sales. All-time record up 20% versus record set in 2022, so up from last year. And social media, the most social WrestleMania ever with 500 million-plus views on social media. Well, and to bounce off of that last one, I know Triple H brought up at the post uh, at the scrum afterwards that like somebody at one point during the show showed him the, the trends in the United States and how it was like he said it was like 13 or 15 of the 20 trends in the United States at one point during the night were all WrestleMania yeah, it the, related. It was the top 13 or 15 because he said in a row too. So yeah. it was number one through 13 or 15 were all, were all WWE WrestleMania yeah. or something like because Brock was trending at one point in time. Yeah. WrestleMania itself was trending. Yeah. Like it was, it was crazy like to think <laughs> about the number of people really watching. And once again, there's two, there's two nights, right? And we know that the viewership was up for night one as well, but the bigger viewership was night two. So the main event between Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns was what people came to see. Oh, yeah. And so I understand why the people were upset. From a booking standpoint, like going into my, like, and I at the night, being a fan, because I'm a fan too. Yeah. My fandom took over that night, much like Padawan J said, and I was mad. Mm. I was like, why? Why is this a thing? You have this great moment, you have whatever. But from a booking standpoint, I went, you know, you have this audience and they were captivated. And they were captivated with the story only being technically not to its final form, right? What if we flush this storyline out? Could it get bigger? It might not, but it might. Right. And it's worth a shot. And also, why not swerve the crowd? Yeah. The crowd thinks they're going home happy. Let's swerve those sons of bitches. Because sometimes you got to throw the swerve in. Mm-hmm. Like night one, you couldn't throw the swerve in. That that match was so emotionally built with with Sammy and the Usos and Kevin that like you really couldn't swerve that match. I mean, you could, no. yeah, you could. but you'd start a full scale riot in L.A. Mm-hmm. You know, the the thing is, the main event the next night it's not going to start right, but it turned Roman heel because let's kick into the next night. He comes out, you know, Triple H comes out addresses, first of all, the sale of the company, which we're going to talk about 
in the final segment, so I'm going to skip past that. But also addresses that we're not going nowhere. Right. You know, the, the, the business is going to keep running. It's just a, a, a big financial opportunity. We're coming off the most successful WrestleMania of all time. Everybody's on a high, and we're going to keep that ball rolling. And he says, now for your 946th day in a row champion, Roman Reigns in the crowd, fucking booze him. We have not seen Roman booed like this since he was a face. Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> yes, that's right. Since he was a failed face. It was, I dare say this was the second loudest booing, only compared to when he beat The Undertaker and facts. the crowd wouldn't let yes, him talk. For, that's the biggest one. Yes. But this was almost there. The crowd just didn't get there. Maybe it's because they were tired after fucking a week of wrestling. I, I'm assuming Could there was be. some fatigue in that audience. But mm-hmm. they were still loud for this. And there was boos. So for all the people trying to be like, well, they pump those sounds in. I don't think so, no, my guy. Because no, once again, once no. a, once again, you can pump sound in. But if I can look at the crowd and see what the crowd is doing, I know what the sound is coming out. So if I see a bunch of people with thumbs down, I'm sure they're not screaming. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? No. If I see a bunch of people with their mouth cuffed and it looks like they're yelling shit at Roman. I'm pretty sure it's not nice things. If they were pumping sound in, it would have exceeded the 15 minutes after WrestleMania 33 where where Roman could not speak. If, Absolutely. If that's if they were pumping crowd noise in, but they weren't. And the only thing that broke that was when Cody's music hit. Mm-hmm. Crowd did a little pop, and of course the big pops are with the O's. That's where you have to look at now. Everybody loves doing the O spot, and it was huge. He actually got away with doing it like four times during Mania. Oh my God, yeah. I think he did it twice or three times during Raw. So uh, we, we get to the ring. Of course, I love this. This is what Roman does. When when Triple H at the at the press conference said that Roman Reign, uh, Reigns operates on a different <coughs> level than anybody else. Mm-hmm. He doesn't just look at the match. He's at the level where he looks at the story. How are we telling the story? What can I be doing better? How do I make it feel? And this is another example of, and I know that we all chuckle because uh, you know at the end of the day, some of us end up still being high school boys at times, but the word facials. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the best facials in the business are Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. And during this, there's this look of not confidence. Roman did a great job. When Cody came out, there wasn't the arrogant look. There wasn't the normal confident look. He tried to fake it at one point when he talked for a brief moment before giving the microphone to Heyman, mm-hmm. which was telling as well. But he tried for a brief moment. But the look on his face was the man that knew that last night he didn't win. Last night he got saved. Like, yes, the interference before, but once again, as we all pointed out, I don't think any of the other matches, we really could point to a part where like, well, yeah, there was interference, but he had him. No, 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 no. No. They, there was interference, but the guy never had Roman. Last night, we, uh, sorry to say last night, but at last night from the WrestleMania, he had Roman dead to rights. Cody Rose is winning the title. Like if you go by real, like real life situation mm. and Roman knows this. And so on his face, he's wearing the face of a man that knows I didn't win on my own merit. And when Cody said, you know, he said you were the better competitor last night, not the better man. Mm-hmm. He knows. So he knows that Cody knows that he beat him. And Cody even says as much, you know, last night I should have had the belt. I should have had the celebration. You didn't beat me. Yeah. And he knows that. So, like I said, he fakes a little confidence because Cody, of course, asks for a rematch. And before he gives it to the wise man, and the wise man basically says, you're not going to get a rematch tonight. You're not going to get a rematch at Backlash. You're not going to get a rematch in Saudi. You're not going to get a rematch at Money in the Bank. You're not going to get a rematch at SummerSlam. You're not going to get a rematch at Survivor Series. You're not going to get a rematch at MSG. You're not going to get a rematch at Royal Rumble. It ain't happening. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And then Cody was like, to his rebuttal, and by the way, the fire. <coughs> I love how he had the fire and just looked at Paul and just yeah. his exact quote is, I'm not here to play games, Mr. Heyman. I'm done playing games. Listen, if you don't want to fight me, if you're too, and the crowd started chanting Roman scared. Yeah. Like, yeah. That was wild. The the the, the booing Roman and Roman yeah. sucks chants were cool. Yeah. But when they started chanting Roman scared, that was fucking amazing the one moment i thought was going to happen during this whole thing is you have is cody cody came out with such a ferocity and then he's having the back and forth between roman and paul Heyman, and the entire time solo standing off to the side and he got mentioned a couple of times like hey let's get this clown out of here you know but i was fully expecting at any point cody could just go off and go you know what fuck it and just attack solo and just drop him for what happened yeah I thought that could happen, too, because he was fired up. But he ends up saying, hey, listen, what are we doing? Let's fight. If you don't want to fight me in a one-on-one match, <coughs> let's make it a tag match. The two of you look ready. I'm ready. Let's fight in a tag team match. And so they huddle up, and Paul Heyman comes up with the genius idea. You know what? On the first piece of business, we accept your challenge. But we have stipulations. First stipulation is whoever you pick has to have wrestled on uh, – has to sort of wrestled WrestleMania weekend. Listen, we're not giving you the opportunity to call one of your friends from somewhere else to come in here. No, 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 no. And they're nice and fresh. Nope, we're not going for it. They had to wrestle WrestleMania weekend. Secondly, whoever it is, just know if you are his partner, you will never get a shot at Roman Reigns in the Universal Championship. And so, of course, Cody's all right with it, but he's a little nervous because who the fuck wants to take that deal? Mm -hmm. And then whose music hits Ken? Brock. Last night. To shock the fucking world. Yep. And if you remember, SummerSlam was his last shot. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get another shot. So the stipulation don't matter to Brock. So Brock comes out, happy cowboy, shaking hands, gets in the ring, gives a big hug to Cody and says, puts his arm around and says, me and you. And uh, this whole time, Cody starts to smile like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. I got a pretty good ally here, don't I? The fucking smirk Cody had on his face when Brock's music hit because the camera was on. Paul and Roman and the look on their face of utter shock. And Roman it, looked like he shit himself. Mm-hmm. And then it, and then the camera cuts to the entranceway and it's Brock coming out. And then it cuts back to the ring, but it's a slightly zoomed out camera angle now. And in this shot, you can see Cody. Go back and watch the video because Cody's looking back into the left and he's got what I can only describe as a grin, the like of which you see on uh, The Grinch and How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the animated version. He has got the most mischievous fucking grin on his face and it was brilliant. Well, that's almost a checkmate moment. Yeah. Like, man, the partner that's coming out to get my back, man, that's a pretty big partner. That's a big man. That's a that's the beast. Mm-hmm. And uh, Roman is not exactly uh, what's the word? Not scared of him. Yeah, <laughs> he he is he is scared of Lesnar. He has conquered Lesnar. Unfortunately, it takes a little bit of your soul every time you conquer Brock Lesnar. I think mm. so. Uh, basically, we we find out that in the main event we're going to have Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar. By the way, Brock Lesnar's first match on Raw since two thousand and two. Yeah, I was going to say that was an interesting stat. And then of course we had on the other side of this Roman and Solo Sokoa. And we get, I'm just going to stick with this and we're going to jump back to some other things because we're going to talk just briefly before jumping into the overall. <coughs> uh, but later in the night, we would get this great, first of all, we get the Usos trying to come into the locker room and Paul cutting him off and saying, hey, listen, he's got a lot on his plate. We're trying to work it out. How about you guys go to the jet? Let's say he, he also mentioned, oh yeah, uh, Roman's off doing some game plan meeting with Solo. You know, he doesn't really need you tonight. Yeah, you can go, go, go away on the jet. There's food there for you. Have a good time. Uh, you know, get, get rested up. 
little planting mm-hmm. seeds, little fractures, right? Because right as he goes back into the locker room, he you hear him say, I handled it, my tribal chief. Yeah. So yeah. you know something's going on. So then we get the little cool nod. And we're going to talk about what I think about this means when we get wrap it all up. But he, uh, you know, Roman goes to Paul. Did you know? No. He's talking about, did you know Lesnar was going to be here? Right. And Paul Heyman, I want to point out, never says no. He he does Paul Heyman things. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, my tribal chief, you know, it's the day after WrestleMania. Usually he gets on a plane and we don't see him for six to nine months. So I, I don't know. I don't know why why he would be here. I haven't talked to him. Hmm. Hmm. And I, you know, you know, I spend a lot of time, but you saved me from him. Remember? Cause he'd take these vacations and then I wouldn't be, have no job. You yeah. saved me. My tribal chief. Like that's the shit that Paul Heyman tells the shit that he says to Roman's epic, right? Yeah. So later in the night we get the match and uh, before the match can start, well, Cody Rhodes gets introduced. Brock Lesnar F fives, Cody Rhodes and proceeds to hand him at least a 10 minute ass whooping, mm-hmm. like a savage. Yeah. ass. Yeah, whooping. Oh yeah. We haven't seen a savage ass woman like this since Brock Lesnar attacked John Cena. Yeah. On a raw after mania, yeah. go figure. Uh, but, you know, it, it was, it, I thought it was cool because it showed two things. First of all, I'm glad Cody got no offense in because the whole point of this was to show that, oh, you haven't, the, the thing that we all said when you really boil it down, has he faced enough adversity? We heard that in the internet. We heard that from wrestling pundits. We've heard that from veterans. Has he faced enough adversity? And the answer, believe it or not, was no. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could say the injury, but injuries happen. That's not like in-ring adversity. Right. You are the son of the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. What is American dream, Dusty Rhodes, known for? Ken M. Overcoming adversity. Right. Exactly. Hard times. Yep. So guess what? I, I got to take my hat off for those of you not reading this at home. What are they giving Cody Rhodes? Hard times. Hard times. And I think that this, we haven't seen <laughs> Cody have hard times. No. And you make the, and dude, if you don't think, if you don't think Cody's over, let me take you back to when John Cena got destroyed all those years ago, the Raw after Mania with the return of Brock Lesnar to, to a, to, you know, 15,000 people cheering it on. Mm-hmm. Brock has been a face now for eh, over a year. Give or take. And people love him. Mm-hmm. And he's, in the, you know, we saw a different side. It was wonderful. He, his natural course is a heel. Yep. This crowd went instantly into hating Brock Lesnar. Like the oh, heat yeah. was real. Like that crowd was like a crowd that was exhausted and tired was angry mm-hmm. that this was happening. And Brock, you know, attacks him multiple times. And, I mean, we, we go off air with Brock ripping his gloves off on the ramp and giving the finger right towards the ring and the cameras. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And we left on a cliffhanger. I think, first of all, storytelling-wise, leaving on a cliffhanger is beautiful. Mm-hmm. We don't know why Brock Lesnar destroyed Cody Rhodes. There was no reason. To, and, by the way, the commentators got it over. Why, why is he why doing, is he doing this? this? Mm-hmm. I, I was showing this to Liz because, you know, she went to bed early and, and didn't see the main event, and, you know, my girlfriend, Liz Bailey. And, and she's like, why is he doing this? And I looked at her and I go, I don't know. I said, this is Brock. I go, clearly they're turning him heel again, which... Fine, you know, no no issue with that. But it's not like Cody cost him a title or anything or screwed him out of a match. I go, if that was the case, I totally understand this. But if it was Seth Rollins attacking, we know why. Yeah, yeah. especially yeah. since there's some personal animosity there, as we found out. But we, like, yeah, we don't know. I, I said we got to find out. Yeah. Well, my thing <sighs> is this. You know, mind you, I'm just you know, all we can do is speculate. I really do honestly believe. Obviously, we're giving you know, Cody Rhodes has ascended to a time. Triple H said it. Triple H said it during his press conference. Listen. You guys don't understand. We're we're happy. Cody's Cody's there. Mm-hmm. What do you what you guys don't think? Did you not hear the crowd? 
Did you not see what's going on? Cody's there. He is the top baby face. However, maybe he's just not ready yet. Maybe in the story, he's not ready. Maybe there's got to be something. And then instantly, and I, I got to claim, I got to, I got to give credit where credit's due to Bully Ray. He said it on a busted open hard times. They're giving him hard times. Like you, I called it the road, you know, we earlier, we said the roads to the gold, you know, we even made uh, the comment as uh, last night when I was messaging pad, I made the comment that it was uh, uh, basically his odyssey, Cody's odyssey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take you away from Roman, but we're going to continue to build you because you're over and we're going to put you in the positions where you have to conquer things to end up getting back to Roman because that way you're going to be more over. And in theory, unless something fluke happens in theory, this works because that's what everybody's gone through. The greats have got Hulk Hogan went through hard times. Even there's a mega face. The Hulk Hogan is think back, even think back to Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa feeding mm-hmm. back at NXT. How long did we want to see Gargano finally summit that mountain and win the NXT championship? And how much hell did he get put through before he finally did it? Right. Yeah. So this is a beautiful story. Once again, they've built up the currency with me that I will allow this story to play itself out. The bloodline. And I call it the bloodline storyline because it has so many bars off it. I said this before mania, when people were coming down and Ken, it was uh, one of our last six Oh seven TWS before the mania break. Mm-hmm. And I, I said then that when people think that the storyline's going to end, I don't think, I think I believe Roman. We haven't scratched the surface because there's so many bars off of this. You can revisit Jay Uso and Roman at some point. You can you can revisit the stuff with Sami Zayn. There's a whole avenue with Sola Sokoa that we haven't even fucking touched yet. On top of that, we have the fact that Cody Rhodes has really kind of moved himself, whether people, you know, I, I shouldn't say people like it or not, because most people like it to a great tune, to enough to get Roman booed and Brock booed and, and the cheers to happen and people to be physically uh, and v- upset. Look at the internet was flooded with, I can't believe Cody didn't win. Mm-hmm. So that tells me that people care. Right. So now we're going to push you to care more. Now he's got to conquer the beast. And maybe the story, and I've said it, maybe the story speculation wise is that maybe that Paul Heyman, his meal tickets, Roman Reigns. Yeah. Roman he knows Roman didn't win that match. Oh, man. Now they're scared. There's somebody who can beat Roman. What do we got to do? Well, I'm, I know the tribal chief will be mad. So I'm going to on the side cut a side deal with the beast. Hey, you can't get a shot at Roman anyways. You already wrote that off. But, hey, maybe we can pay you or whatever you want mm-hmm. right? for you to take care of our problem. Make it worth your while. Yeah. It's a normal thing. And eventually, you know, if that's the case, that might come out. And of course, that's going to create a schism between. So I really think this is just me spitballing. Unless something happens on the storyline, because that storyline is what I like to call a living storyline is what it's been so far. Unless something really happens where you have to change something. I would not be surprised that if next year WrestleMania 40 isn't many invented once again by Cody Rhodes versus versus Roman Reigns. And that's where the roads to the gold, if you will, ends. And at that point in juncture, he'll have to conquer Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. He'll have to conquer, you know, maybe a Sheamus or a Drew McIntyre or, you know, insert whatever they need to put in front of him. People that Roman oh. is beat. Think about it. The list of people Roman's beat. Maybe mm-hmm. Cody's got to run through a gambit after he conquers Lesnar. You know, and I don't think he conquers Lesnar on the first try. He might. But I don't think he does. So you have a couple tries for Brock. That takes us through SummerSlam, I think. I think he'll get the win at SummerSlam over Lesnar. So that gives us months of that. But then after that. You know what? He's not going to fight you. He's going to duck you. He's going to do everything in his power to duck you. So what do you got to do? Keep beating people. I beat this person, but you can't beat that person. 
Or Roman just tells him, hey, Drew Mack, you want a shot at this belt again? All you got to do is beat Cody Rhodes. Right. Well, and well, especially, too, now that the announcers on Monday, on Monday night have started mentioning that Roman's approaching 1,000 days, that's going to be the chase for whoever faces Roman is, hey, you want to be the guy to stop him before he gets to 1,000 days? And, and, I mean, that, and that's going to be what fans are going to want to see is, oh, who can stop him? And I, I was wondering what we do with Roman. It's simple. You know, we have Seth Rollins always waiting in the wings. Mm-hmm. I'll say there, there's no shortage of guys who want to be the one to stop him. You could revisit Sami Zayn. You could revisit Kevin Owens. <laughs> you can revisit a Drew McIntyre, a Sheamus, a Gunther. That's where I was going with. So there's a lot of things that you can do to keep Roman busy, because he obviously still got to defend the belt, but to keep Roman busy while still having Cody on his on his trials, his hard times. And then, I don't know. I kind of feel like they're going to have him win the Rumble again. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the guaranteed way. But Probably. if they do that, I promise you he'll be number one. Yeah, no, he'll definitely be well, one. Well, either the Rumble or, you know, what they could do is they could do the Elimination Chamber and just have the, the Chamber stacked with uh, Bloodline guys. Yeah, but that's Depend- a little harder to do with both belts together. Well, with both belts together, that's harder to do, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Unfor- unfortunately, unless you did this really <laughs> Unless you and once again, here's when people are not thinking about stories. Unless you do the story, if you want to split the belts up at that time, you could have the winner of the Rumble fight for one belt and the winner of Hell and Self fight for the other. So you could you could technically crown Sammy and uh, Cody or Jay and Cody or whoever and Cody. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's what they're going to do, but I think we're going to end up like he runs the gambit. Yeah, I think they're trying to screw him over. Yeah, I think that's oh, what will yeah. happen. What will happen is he'll get eliminated when he shouldn't have been eliminated, and then they'll have to do, well, since it's only fair, we'll bring the last six guys back in Elimination Chamber. It's just to make it a little harder and, and make you think he's not going to get there. You know, once again, if you do it right, the crowd will still be behind him. As a matter of fact, they'll be behind him more, and you're going to go into a vicious city like Philadelphia where they're going to definitely cheer for Cody Rhodes. Mm-hmm. And, and trust me. Cody's well-beloved in, in the oh, Northeastern yes. Indies because a lot of those names on that belt were Northeast Indies. So the Northeast Indy fans that go to shows, they're going to come out full force for Cody Rhodes. And, and it's going to be it's going to be a moment. And you'll still capture the moment you want. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, so it's a, still possibly there. Once again, it could because it's such a good storyline, literally it could change to something different because of you know reasons. Yeah. But I think that's what they're going for. That's my opinion. I don't know. What do you guys want to speak on that before we move on? No, I think you hit it right on the head. I mean, they're going to just do the long-term hard times of Cody Rhodes, and we're all going to be here for it because realistically looking at the roster right now, that's the storyline that makes the most sense. Sami Zayn's story is done with Roman for now, and he can carve a new path with Kevin Owens and whatever is going to happen with them. So the Sami Mania is done for now. And you know what? I'm perfectly all right with that. For Roman, yeah, I think he's going to be ducking – Cody for a good portion of the year. You know, it'd be cool if he went down to NXT just for a little bit to escape him, just to do that and do a bump up for the brand there. Yeah, yeah. You know, have just do something. Not saying like obviously permanently, but like go down there for like a month program or something, just to do it. Be like, nah, you know, I feel like conquering NXT and and you know, I've, de- I've destroyed everyone up here. I got to go someplace uh, else. That would be fun. Yeah, just do something fun. fun. And just Cody is constantly chasing <laughs> it, and then that's how you build him up to the WWE universe. That's how you reestablish him. Yeah, I agree. I think that's perfect planning. The rest of the show, let's be honest. So I have a theory, and this theory on the rest of the show, and then we're going to get into the the meat and potatoes, if you will. I always call it the JVD moment. Shout out to our good friend JVD. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, the meat and potatoes of the rest of the show, I think, is twofold. So the Raw After Mania has this stigma. <laughs> and by the way, it, 10 years ago, it had a great time. Ken M was there. Yes, I was uh, in attendance. I'm but, a Slammy Award winner. Yes, but un- unfortunately... If you remember, a lot of them aren't good. 
And, and every year, though, WWE does one disservice, that they promote it as this big fucking show. Mm-hmm. And it really has never delivered. Let's be honest. No, the whole reason the night after Mania is the night after Mania, it was an awful card at the IZOD Center after WrestleMania 29. And the only thing that you will remember about that card is Dolph Ziggler cashed in Money in the Bank and won the world title. Yeah. That's it. Everything else was not a good show, and that's why the fans were so unruly. We hijacked the show. Yeah. To the point John Cena had to come out, and John Cena addressed it. And you know what? Kudos to him. He was like, he goes, this is what we love about being the fans. You guys are crazy, but you guys are passionate, and we respect that. And, you know, thank you for coming out to the show. Weren't you guys at one point chanting for Michael Cole? Oh, we chanted everybody. Yeah. There was they all, were Fandangoing. Yeah. Fandango's theme song was trending on iTunes because everybody was They were was Fandangoing on the subway. Yeah. By the way, that was after Fandango beat Trish Jericho yeah. on WrestleMania. Anyways, uh, I digress. Uh, so going back to that, there's part of that. The other part of that is because of the hype every year, the uh, the wrestling journalist, the vultures, whatever you want to call them, the dirt sheets. I don't, I don't care. We'll what come you call up them. with a name. I don't care what you call them. I call them weirdos sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they take advantage of this. So then you see them churning out. Well, I hear DIY is going to be there. I heard <coughs> that. Uh, I don't know why they get the John Wayne Murdoch voice, but still, I don't. I heard that. Uh, I heard that they're gonna have uh, who else is gonna be uh, Jay White's gonna be there. Jay White. I heard that uh, Cardona. Cardona's gonna be there. I heard in the back they go. Randy Orton's coming back. Mm-hmm. Mind you, no, they don't know shit. Let's be honest. And right. if they're being, if they're listening to this, which I know some of them do. Hi, hello. I know Bye. you don't know shit. <laughs> Let's fucking be honest here for a minute. Why don't we just be honest with each other? Uh, so, anyways. They get everybody riled up on the internet, so everybody's expecting the world to come. And then when it doesn't happen, everybody... This happens every fucking year. Mm -hmm. Every year. The problem this year is that we're going to talk about the sale at the end in the next segment. We're going to do special just for that because I think it deserves it. But the problem is because of that news and because Vince McMahon is around, uh, people automatically... And it's been going on now for quite a bit of... Since January for at at the... I mean, that might not be the earliest, but January is when he forced his way back in, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. So since then, anytime something bad happens in WWE, that's got Vince's fingerprints on it. Guys, I don't think that. So basically what you're doing is you're saying that Triple H is infallible. So when it's a great show, Mm -hmm. Triple H did it. But if there's not a great show, Vince... Vince is responsible. They were rewriting the show. They were doing this. And here comes the part where, you know, stay with me. And if you don't believe me, I don't give a shit. It's not really my job to convince anybody. But let's let's just listen to logic for a minute about the Vince McMahon thing. Was he backstage? Yes. Was he in charge of the show? I doubt it. And I'm going to tell you why. There's a lot of reasons why. First of all, the reports. Well, the (coughs) show changed multiple times. Okay. Do they have? If the show changed multiple times. I need the scripts. Live TV does that. Mm-hmm. Ready for this? First of all, when you, the, the one the one evidence that they had, there's two evidence that they posted out. But if somebody could get the scripts and show the scripts that they changed multiple times and they did the run sheet, and I'm going to tell you this from being a booker in the indies, even in the indies, the, the fucking run sheet changes day of the show because in the indies it's a little different because sometimes a guy can't make it. Right. Sometimes there's a car accident. Sometimes somebody's running late. So now you have to take the match that was going on second and move it to like seventh on an eight you know thing car because that person's coming in town. I can tell you from experience in two CW, there was a time where we had Slick Wagner Brown in a match against Claudio Castagnoli back before he ever was Cesaro, and it was at the Watertown Fairgrounds for the the we called it what was it the the big big time or big show. Whatever we fucking call it. Big time, I thought. Yeah, I think it was big time. But anyways, it was we did the fair show every year mm-hmm. on the fairgrounds. So 
It's at a baseball diamond. So basically, Slick got stuck in traffic coming out of Boston. Yeah. So we that car match was supposed to go on like third on the card. It, was it ended early, up yeah. it ended up going on as the main event. Because literally Slick got there, got out of his car, and went straight to the ring. And I shit you not. We heard he was parking and we fucking hit Claudio's music and it was perfect timing. And Slick literally wrestled that match in what was joggers and kick pads because he put his shit on at a rest stop because he knew it was going to be that close. But he didn't wrestle in his gear. Mm-hmm. Christian tells a story, and I know you can find it on YouTube because it was turned into one of the WWE animated things where, you know, back in the day before emails and all this stuff were really prevalent, you know, he got his weekend schedule for where he was supposed to be for WWE house shows. And he and he'd gotten the wrong city. I forget the full story. You can watch the full thing. But it was he was in the wrong city. Because he booked the wrong flight, he went to the wrong city. There was no flight for where he was. I think spoke. it was Springfield. Yeah, it was. Yeah, there, there was no there was no planes for where he needed to go, so he was going to have to drive like two hundred miles or something. Like that. And he was supposed to be facing Randy Orton in the main event, and he's like flooring it. And Randy's like, "I'll hold him off as long as I can." Blah 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 blah. And he's like driving up to the building as it's the match is supposed to be starting. And Randy's like calls him and he goes, "I'm sorry, I held him off as long as I could." Like, this shit happens. Like, I'm I'm sure there's a story of a guy getting food poisoning or something five minutes before the show is supposed to go on. Now, mind you, I could be wrong, too. But once again, I have, I don't have, they don't have any evidence to say I'm wrong. (laughs) Their evidence was somebody who was sitting behind the production table and kept taking pictures. This is like the fourth time they've come out and changed things. Well, here's the problem on live television and when you're running even shows. Things change because of time. Mm -hmm. You have only so X amount of time to do. So let's say Roman and Cody ran over. In that opening segment, that pushes everything back. Then everything else, and you're trying to get, so you might have to cut matches. You might have to change things. And right. the, guess what? The production people who hit the music and the pyro, they kind of need to know who's coming out next. Yeah. Right. And it's easier to have the run sheet because that run sheet tells them how long it's going to get because they need to know when to prepare and who's going to win and everything else. So that it could be just as simple as that. The other piece of evidence that they've shown is the producers coming and talking to Seth Rollins during commercial break when he was in the ring. And allegedly, allegedly, mm-hmm. he was supposed to be doing a spot with Pretty Deadly is what they said. So answer me this, though. If that's the case, Seth Rollins is a singles wrestler, correct? Right. His gimmick is he's a loner, mm-hmm. so he doesn't have any friends. I get that Pretty Deadly dresses crazy like he does, but you, how are you going to book a tag team to go out there against a singles guy? Now, mind you, he could just beat the shit out of them, but that that's a really cool yeah, debut, right? To roster. That, that's a really cool debut. So maybe, maybe that's why they canned it, because they thought, oh, wait a minute, we're burying somebody on their first fucking night? Or the only other option is they beat down Seth. And if they beat down Seth or they go to a draw with Seth, what are you going to do? He doesn't have a tag partner. What are you going to do? A two on one handicap match? Yeah. Once again, meaning you're not going to have Seth lose. So once again, their first match now is going to be losing to one man. Correct me if I'm wrong, and I can't remember which Raw it was exactly. It might have been the Raw 30th, but it was there was an episode of Raw this year or late last late last year where the opening segment and it might have been I want to say it was Roman ran so goddamn long and so over time, it threw the rest of the show off and matches had to get cut. It's absolutely. It mm-hmm. happens all the time. It happens on the WrestleMania card. Famously, they cut an eight-man tag off of yep. WrestleMania 10. Because one of the matches everyone was up in arms about that got cut because it was under the Triple H regime was it was supposed to be, I think it was like a cage match between, between Bailey and Becky Lynch. Yes. Because the opening segment yeah. ran over. 
Yeah, uh, it was. I don't think it was a cage. They think they replaced it with a cage match, or was it? No, it was a cage. It match. No, it was a cage it, match. It was supposed they to be replaced cage match. They replaced it. Yeah, but they they had to see. That's what happens. But that wasn't Vince's fingerprints. It's just shit <laughs> happens, and that's my point. We can't just keep getting out of things. And Mia Yim had to put out a thing today. Don't overread things. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just don't overread things. Sometimes just let it breathe and let it find out. Could it be Vince? Maybe, but we have no evidence. What's their evidence? Sources and the sources. I, I you know I told you, bro. You yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, no. Yo, yo, that's not a source. Name your source. Okay, so here's the other parts of it. So uh, Talent's Unhappy. Mm-hmm. You know, this is why I stayed off the internet, by the way, but I got the little rundown. So Talent's Unhappy. According to Sean Ross Sapp, he was told by a top-tier guy and a lower-tier guy. Well, here's the answer. If they're unhappy and Vince is back, why not tweet about it? Yeah. Mustafa, Mustafa Ali did it for a long time mm-hmm. with yeah, no yeah. punishment, with no punishment. Oh, even better. It, it, it said during his thing that he was told that they were seeking options in their contract. Okay, how about this? Here's your option. Sasha Banks and Naomi walked the fuck out. And what happened? Did they get sued? Nope. They just had to sit at home till their contract was up. Or you could be released if you're not that major of a player. So don't tell me if that's really happening that there's not ways to do it outside of some fucking dirt sheet writer. Yeah. No, you're making shit up or you're just running with what you want to or they're working you. And these, Take your fucking pick. And these dirt sheet writers are also the same ones saying, well, a lot of people tuned in to WrestleMania for the first time and got tuned off because of what happened. Yeah. Once again, so night one was Triple H. Night two was fucking uh, Vince. I, no. Stop. Yeah. I mean, that's no. all. That's the whole point about it. We're not it. switching quarterbacks halfway through the game. Get it, the fuck out of here. Exactly. Trying to sell that fake narrative is just such a bad look. So you're going rich. So you, I don't have evidence like they don't, but I have certain things like what I just mentioned. If wrestlers are unhappy, there's ways around it. I mean, shit, AEW's having problems with Twitter right now. No. And, <laughs> and guess what? Once again, we have proof that you can do it in, in WWE and not get like fined or anything because Mustafa Ali was doing it for months. Mm-hmm. Okay? Thank you. Then you had Naomi and fucking Sasha Banks walk out to no financial despair to them. They got paid. They got paid their downside minimum because that's their guarantee is the downside. Right. So they didn't get their full potential contract, but that's fine. They chose that. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? And they didn't get sued and they didn't get whatever. So eh, don't give me this. They, there's nothing. So if it was real, that shit would happen because no wrestler's going to say, I'm checking into options on my contract. No, just walk the fuck out then if you're unhappy or if you deem that you're going to be unhappy. I doubt it. Mind you, most of the people that are there are were there when Vince was there. Okay? Mm. It's not that long ago. We're only going back to, what, July, I do believe it was, when it, all that happened was July? Yep. Yeah. Maybe was, June? July. This is no, going into the bill yeah. for SummerSlam. Yeah. Mm. Right? So think about it. The only people that are back are the ones that Triple H brought back. Maybe they are the ones that should worry about their fucking contracts, I guess. Right? But it's, outside of them... It just doesn't make any damn sense. And just trying to sell that fake narrative. I mean, that's something that... It dominated headlines today and really took away from a, a great WrestleMania weekend that everybody is running with all this fake nonsense. Gets better. Gets better. So Vince McMahon, okay, I, I mentioned Sasha and Naomi. Did mm-hmm. it, I did it kind of on purpose. Not only are they, the, you know, what you should do, you know, and not get in trouble. Also, why did Sasha and Naomi walk out of WWE? They were unhappy. Why were they unhappy? What was the reason? Do uh, you not remember? The the women's tag titles weren't getting featured. Right. Yep. Okay. So now, according to the dirt sheets, I'm not going to say which one because they're all rattling off together because mm-hmm. that's what they do. Their source, so one of them has a source. It's just trust me, bro. And then the other ones use them as a source. So we're it, it's either they're lying it's or the they're whatever. It's the worst game of telephone. It's fucking horrible, yeah. right? 
And, and that's that's facts. They'll look at it. I don't care if you guys. And by the way, if you're passionate enough that you're defending guys who take your money for their inside scoop, dude, there we. That's a whole other conversation. I'm not even getting into today because we're running long. Mm-hmm. The thing of the matter is, so one of the rumors was that Vince, Vince, because I'm using Vince, yeah, eliminated two triple threat matches to crown number one contenders for the women's titles, which why would you do them the night after Mania when you only the, what you had planned was a spot between Bianca and Rhea, which we saw, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. They removed those, and in replace of them, they put the tag team number one contenders match. First of all, how does Vince feel about tag team wrestling as a whole? Not a fan. Okay. So there was Allegedly, two. Yes. By the way, there's two tag team matches. Well, yeah. look at the, yeah, yeah, look at the yeah, yeah, yeah. There's two tag team matches on Raw. Sammy and uh, Kevin against the Street Profits, and then the number one contendership for the women's tag titles match. So, first of all, he's not a fan of tag wrestling, yet there's two tag matches, and then allegedly he replaced that tag number one contenders match <laughs> with for something else. Yeah, why he didn't show the reason why your biggest women star, one of your biggest women stars, walked from your company was you didn't want to show those belts. And when he was still in power, remember they didn't crown a new champion. Mm-hmm. They didn't do that until Triple H took over. Right. He was going to let those fucking belts die. Please believe it. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me all of a sudden Vince comes back and goes, "Oh, you know what? I don't like this booking. So I'm gonna, you know what we're doing? You know, I know what the fans want. Number one contenders match for the women tag titles." Come on. Yeah. Get fucking real. If if it would have been Braun Strowman versus Omas, I'd believe you. Yeah. No, I'm being serious. Yeah, I, yeah. I might yeah. believe you. Yeah. I might go, oh, fuck. Maybe he is back. You know, I wouldn't completely believe it until I saw evidence. But they're offering it up with no evidence. Mm-hmm. So we don't see any scripts, even though allegedly they change multiple times. You know, the video doesn't show any. They show people coming over, but that doesn't mean shit. It shows people coming up to Seth. That doesn't mean shit. They could have just been telling him, okay, this is how much time we have back from commercial break. Right, because mm. Seth could have been told, hey, you've got 10 minutes, for example. And all of a sudden, hey, shit, because things are running a little long, uh, all of a sudden you've now got six. Right. So my point of the matter is, and be honest, this year we got Matt Riddle back. And Vince ain't a fan of Matt Riddle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, I don't understand how that would be the big get back. Why would you bring guys in? So they didn't bring anybody in. They weren't bringing people back. Not that night. But you know what? They didn't bring anybody back last year. By the way, Matt Riddle is one more person they brought back last year at the Raw after Mania. Yeah. And I think he's one less than the year before. And then the yeah. year before that, there was only one, two. Well, so, like, like they don't they don't always bring people fucking back, guys. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, they also, I know a lot of people are pointing out, well, they didn't have, they didn't have a lot of, of call-ups. They haven't done call-ups since, what, 16, 17? It's been a it's while. It's been a while. It's, it's been, been a while. while. That's my point. That is my absolute point. So, what happened here? This is what, uh, be at home, listen mm-hmm. to me, even if you don't believe me. I just, and I want you gentlemen who, uh, we already are on the same page, I, to be clear, yeah. right? But listen to this. What is more likely that Vince McMahon came back, created Raw, made it bad, replaced it with matches he would have never replaced it with with rewrites that make no sense according to his booking pattern ever. Like the man's booking pattern hasn't changed since he bought the company in 1983. But all of a sudden his booking pattern changed. He put on tag matches, including a women's tag title, number one contendership match instead of bringing, right, right, right. Mm -hmm. Follow me. So that's true. Mind you, also telling this long-term storyline with Roman and Cody and now Brock involved, like, which we know he's against that shit too, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he did all of that, which is out of his character. Or the same dirt sheet writers who wrote all of this 
how were the same ones that if you go back, I promise you this and look, they told you that DIY was going to be on the show. Mm-hmm. They told you Matt Cardona was going to be on the show. They told you it was going to be the return of Randy Orton, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And when it didn't happen, they needed an excuse to get out because their lies had been detected. Now, mind you, I shouldn't say lies. I shouldn't say lies because maybe they are being lied to. Maybe somebody's working them. Maybe their source is working them because that's the option. They're either being worked and they keep falling for it, which then it's still their fault because you keep falling for being worked because they're wrong more than they're right. Go check the track record. And I'm not talking about when they change it after. And I'm not talking about Sean Ross sat playing fucking games with the words when everybody was telling you that the Saudis bought it. I heard it up to last week. Saudis bought WWE. And guess what? They fucking did it because we were going to talk about it in the third segment. Who did? Mm-hmm. Guess what? That was wrong. And But remember when Sean Ross sat played the games? Well, I can't confirm what you're hearing from other people, but I'm telling you, I'm hearing from my sources that this is troubling. Yeah. So he was playing it in. So he was riding that fucking fence. He's being a little fence rider. That's what he fucking does. Tell me I'm wrong. I want him to message me that I'm wrong. And I can prove it. I know he erases tweets. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> fucking loser. You get $5. Shamming all you people out of $5 a month, man. Maybe I should. Maybe that's what we should do, Ken. Instead of coming on here and calling it right down the middle, giving a fucking real opinion, maybe we should just tell these people the bullshit stories, jump on these wagons, put it behind a paywall, and see how much money we can make. I bet you we can make a pretty penny. You know, I booked wrestling for a long time. I bet you I can book real compelling stories. As a matter of fact, one of the things <laughs> that people like listening to on 607 TWS, ODPH Society, sorry if you don't listen, but you should, is when I guess book shit. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean it's right. That's just what I would do. So could you imagine how much shit I could really come up with that would sound fucking real? And by by the way, I'd be right a lot of times because how many victory laps have I gotten in the last few years, guys? A lot. Uh, Yeah, quite a few. So even my guesses would be closer. Mm -hmm. I could just be, oh, well, and and even the ones where I was off, I was still in the ballpark. So, oh, man, they just changed a little bit. (laughs) Like, this is the bullshit we have to deal with. And this is why I stay away from social media. This is why the tribalism and toxicity in this fucking community exists. And I'm tired of fighting it. So I'm not going to anymore. But I just can't deal with turning on Twitter and just hearing people with no evidence besides trust me, bro. (laughs) Yeah. Say that somebody's in charge. It didn't look that way to me. He has a specific booking trend. None of this looked like his booking. None of it. So either his booking style changed since he's been gone, or it's something to cover up lies. It's fine either way. Your guys' final thoughts before we move on to Vince McMahon stuff and end the second segment. You forgot about one other option. It could be the new employee that they hired, Mince Vecvan. Ah, I forgot about him. Yes. He's, he's, he's a wild card. He's a wild card. No, you're exactly right. Folks, we've gotten to this point where we just want to run with these ideas Instead of just see the picture. And if you you know see through closed eyes, you you sometimes see it a light. Because honestly, if you're just picturing this in your head, you're envisioning everything that you want to see. But instead, you just gotta sit back, focus on what is in front of you. And that's why I say you gotta shut the eyes sometimes and just really focus and get out of the nonsense that's in front of you. This has been Triple H's show for quite some time, and it still is. Guess what? He can put on a bad show. I'm just throwing it out He there. can put on a bad show because you know what? He's not perfect. There's been some bad NXT shows. I know we don't like to focus on that. Black but trust and gold, me. by the way. Black and gold yes. edition. Yes. NXT 1.0. <laughs> we can go back in the timeline if you want to go a deep dive. This was not something that fans want to buy, and they just want to blame Vince because of what Vince did. 
when Vince came back with the company, and we'll talk about this next segment, I understand one of the questions that was asked was, are you involved with creative? And he said, yes and no, but I'm not in the weeds like I used to, and that's where I loved being. So what he's saying is, yeah, he's around, but he's not involved. What he's saying is that things are ran by him. Yeah. So especially major storylines, he has an input that was exactly how he said it. He has an input, but he's not in the weeds. So that means he's not in the day-by-day. He's not coming up with the storylines. He's not coming up. He just, they run things by him. And if he really doesn't like them, they can take us out of it. But he's also said in the past, and I still believe him because I have no reason, that Triple H gets the final say. Yeah. So he can tell Triple H, hey, listen, Paul, I don't like what you're doing here. But if Paul goes, nope, I'm doing it, oh, well, I guess we're doing it. Exactly. So that's that's the take-home from this. And fans just have to believe that because that's the truth. Like I say, you go on and pick these pictures in your head, you can go ahead and do it. But you know what? You're not seeing what's right in front of you, and you're missing the entire point and how bad are you looking when you're talking about this. But these are the same fans that will tell you that Cody Rhodes isn't over. Mm-hmm. They'll tell you a lot of different things. And by the way, just so you know, we call it right down the middle. Uh, last time we had one of these defensive talks about uh, the uh, the internet uh, wrestling journalists uh, was over AEW. Mm-hmm. And it was when the, the they had you losing your mind that Tony Khan didn't give us Mercedes money for Soraya's partner. Yep. And me and Ken were the first two to say coming into it that maybe she'll be there, but maybe she won't. But you can't blame Tony. We said before, we preemptively struck, and then we had to still talk about it because we said you can't blame Tony. He's never personally promised you that mm-hmm. has he teased the big thing absolutely but he never promised you mercedes and then after it happened and people were still bitching we had to come on here and go hey listen you can't blame tk because he didn't promise you anything you got it bubbled into the internet that told you that that was what was going to happen mm-hmm. so you got it in your mind that it was going to happen and when it didn't happen it was never meant to happen yeah you just got in your mind it was. Pat, you want to add something listen don't use vince to abscond triple h of his bad booking you guys are right. He's had some bad NXTs. Not everything he's done in his time of running creative on the main roster has been good. You know, don't do the whole, oh, when it's good, it's Triple H. When it's bad, it's Vince. And listen, because of all this, we're not even talking about the nuttiest spot of the night where where Damian Priest attacked uh, Bad Bunny and put him through a table. Oh, by the way, he's headlining Coachella in a week. Bad you Bunny's know, a real one. Yes, you know, he is. Like the fact, let's let's not like I know Corey Graves brought it up, but it was mm. drowned out in the noise. Bad Bunny's headlining Coachella, one of the biggest music festivals on the planet. It's it's April fourth as we record this. Coachella starts on April fourteenth. And, and and let me give you a spoiler. This is a spoiler that you can you heard it here first on May the sixth in Puerto Rico. I'm pretty sure it's going to be Bad Bunny and, and Rey Mysterio against mm-hmm. Dominic Mysterio and and uh, Co-main. D- Damian Priest. So just so just so you guys know. But that's not a scoop. That's what they set up. That's what we see with our own eyes mm-hmm. and we hear it with our own ears. <laughs> I'm just saying, could Vince be involved more? Yeah, but I don't think this was. I really don't. And the reason I say that is because, like like, like they, both these gentlemen said, don't sound bad booking or something you don't agree with from Triple H by blaming on – because next week if Raw's a home run, you guys will be like, oh, Triple H is back in the seat again, or SmackDown. That's what I've heard this week. You know, there's another one out there by somebody smaller who I definitely know is lying. <laughs> but they were like, oh, well, uh, Vince ran it this week, and then the new owners want to see Triple H run it on Friday. Bullshit, guys. Stop. You're just setting yourself up because you know probably SmackDown will be a better show. Yeah. So it's just kind of like, guys – just like night one, you know, kind of they they made it seem like night one fucking Triple H was running, and night two Vince, like come on, 
By the way, by the way, Vince would have pulled the trigger and made Cody champion. I just want to throw that. Oh, out yeah, there. absolutely. Oh, yeah. Because he would have heard that pop and he would have called the fucking audible. I don't. Actually, I don't even think he would have booked fucking Roman over. Because here's the thing: Vince loves him a fucking face as the champ. Mm-hmm. That's the shit that was blowing my mind today on online. How people are saying, "Oh, Vince is back. Cody's going to get buried." Have we all gotten amnesia from when Cody came back at last year's? Vince wrestling? hired him. Yeah, Vince hired him. Vince was running WrestleMania last year when Cody returned up through when Cody went out with the injury in October. Vince was putting him over strong over Seth Rollins. Mm-hmm. What are you guys? He put him over strong over Seth Rollins with an injury, but he's going to bury him. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Swear to God, people were saying, oh, I, I, I know. I'm just saying you guys have to use your fucking brain sometimes out there. And you can be mad at me and don't believe me. That's fine. I'm just telling you it doesn't add up. It doesn't add up. It's the inconvenient truth is it ain't fucking true. And stop paying five dollars to guys who are stealing your money. Pay two fifty the ODPH podcast. Pay a dollar to three FN podcast. You'll get some extra stuff. You'll support all these shows. It's cost you three fifty a month, and you'll save money on bullshit. And you can just listen to six oh seven TWS, and we'll just call them for their bullshit because that's just what it is. Mm-hmm. And you notice, like I said, I offer it up. And trust me, if you saw my fucking messages, you know I talked to some of your favorite pod fucking journalists. Is and and, and and to be honest, in really nice conversations, none of it's insults. I'm not insulting them. I understand their business model. I mean, they might not like the fact that I'm telling you how they fucking slaughter the. The, the cattle but you know they're still feeding you the butcher meat you know it is what it is man anybody who has anything to do with wrestling like who worked in the business myself included bully ray on busted open radio we all don't believe this bullshit there's a reason why because mm-hmm. we understand it and plus if bully ray's telling you on busted open who has connections fucking everywhere you know it's not happening right just saying guys just know your source trust me bro is not a source hashtag trust me bro that's what i'm from now on hashtag trust me bro on this show, I, I got to find a maybe I can find like a sounder from a movie. I don't know if that's ever happened in a movie. We got to find a trust me, bro, or put, I'll put one together. I don't know. Anyways, that's going to do it for the second segment and the WrestleMania WWE uh, review. So if you guys don't want to listen to more wrestling stuff, yeah, you know, you can dip out. We're going to do a special bonus segment just like we did last week. And then there we are going to break down the merger sale acquisition of WWE by Endeavor in the third segment. We're going to take this final break. If you're not staying around, thank you guys for tuning in uh hopefully we shed some light on some of this stuff hopefully you agreed or disagreed that's fine we always like to hear from you guys so hit up that uh at odph podcast on uh the twitterverse or wherever you are uh because he always likes to hear from the odph society he'll 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 he'll, he'll humor you mm-hmm. uh, me not so much anyways <laughs> anyways we're taking our final break we'll be right back with what's going on with wwe selling Hey guys, it's Alan Dunford here from Top Hat Studios, co-writer and co-creator of Pocus Hocus and Grandma Chainsaw, and you guys are listening to the ODPH Podcast. We are back for this special bonus segment here on this very extended, once again, uh, 607 TWS takeover of the ODPH crossover collision WrestleMania 39 review event. I keep making that name longer. I promise it's not <laughs> what's going to say in the liner notes, but hey, it's fun times. Uh, but now let's get into some business. This is going to be a little shorter than the other ones because we're just going to get down to the business of the big Endeavor WWE merger sale takeover whatever you want to call it there's mm-hmm. a lot of names you can use and uh i'm gonna start off let's start off by giving you some facts 
And then we're going to kind of boil down some things that are out there in misnomers that can or cannot happen. You know, we're kind of going to break it down like that. So let's start off from facts. So I am reading because the bullet points were better uh, from Mike Johnson on PWI Insider, but he has sources. And the sources are the Wall Street Journal, <laughs> Forbes, and uh, MS, or no, not MS, uh, what is it, CNBC? CNBC? That's okay. That's what it is. I can't remember. It says NBC, but I know it's the business one. Right. So there's sources on this. So this is the reason I picked this is this bullet points, and it's actually everything that's going down. I have confirmed this because I have read the Wall Street Journal article, and it's wordy, and it doesn't have the bullet points. Mm-hmm. So first of all, the deal will officially close in the second half of 2023. So it's not going to close until after June. That's a big key because obviously right. yeah. first yeah. half goes through June, so it won't close until after <coughs> June. Effectively, WWE and UFC will be run as a separate entities owned by the same new parent company. Endeavor will own 51%. WWE stockholders will have their current stock transferred into 49% of ownership of the new company. So mind you, that's not Vince has 49%. That is all stockholders. So if you currently hold WWE stockholders, you will get that transferred over. Mm-hmm. Okay. The new board of directors will have six members named by Endeavor, five by WWE. WWE headquarters in Stanford, which I think is moving soon to closer yeah. New York City, will remain as will UFC's own front offices. So UFC will still have their offices in Vegas. Right. It's, they're two separate companies, mm-hmm. but they're under one roof. However, Endeavor will utilize their own staff for the back office which is in quotations because for savings, which likely means that there will be cuts and firing of employees determined to be redundant. So, and they give, and I love how he gives an example. So if endeavors accountants can handle it, WWE won't need their own accounting office, for example. So I, I like that he put it in there. So mm-hmm. there's could be some people behind the scenes losing jobs. We never want to hear that, but right. it is redundant. If the accountants at one end can handle it, you don't need them for both. That's what happens with business mergers. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. you know, uh, Vince McMahon, here we go will be executive chairman of the board for the new company. Given that McMahon just locked in a new two-year contract with WWE that he signed himself, they would have to financially reward him if the decision was made to remove him before the end of that term. Mm -hmm. So there's a reason why he's going to be the board of directors to start off with, because the chairman, sorry, of the board of directors, is because he's locked in. Also, he has experience. Say what you will about the, the man as a cocksucker. Mm-hmm. But he has experience. So he's smart in some aspects. Right. And uh, we're going to talk about that actually is good news for WWE fans. And I'll tell you about it in a minute. Ari Emanuel, owner of Endeavor, will be chief executive officer. So CEO. Nick Khan will continue on as president of World Wrestling Entertainment. When uh, And also, <coughs> to be noted, it says here, even though it doesn't have an effect on WWE, Dana White will still be president of right, UFC. UFC. So basically, Nick Khan will be doing uh, his the same job Dana White does. By the way, uh, have you ever heard of the board of directors for UFC telling Dana White shit? So uh, once again, they keep it they keep church and state separated. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest, I didn't know UFC had a board of directors. Yes, Neither did they, I either, but Endeavor does. Uh, so uh, when the deal is finalized, ready for this, mm-hmm. Nick? This is going to be a sticking point later on. So I want you guys to underline this. Nick Khan gets a ten million dollar bonus. <sighs> Ready? Oh, when yeah. the when the deal finalizes, yeah. Paul Levesque gets a five million dollar bonus. The reason? They're good work. Hmm. Not because of stocks, not because of holdings. Endeavor is paying them, it says, for good work and to make sure that they can retain them in a competitive market. Period. Mm-hmm. That also was in the Wall Street Journal article, verbatim. They want to make sure that they can keep both Nikon and Triple H, Paul Levesque. 
in a competitive market by locking them into good salaries with signing bonuses. Mm. Okay, $15 million. That's a lot of money. We're going to come back to that for a reason. When the deal is finalized, WWE Chief Financial Officer Frank Riddick III gets a $5 million bonus. So the CFO's staying, and he's getting a bonus. Same reason. (laughs) WWE will go away on the stock exchange. The new company will trade as TKO. There's no, by the way, there's no name for the new company yet. We just know it's going to trade as TKO. So I'm assuming it'll be something with those initials. That's a hilarious stock trading name. It is, by the way. Uh, there is an, uh, and then it goes on because this was written when the thing happened about all hands on deck. Uh, if the deal is not done by January of 2024, <coughs> the two sides have the right to cancel the agreement. So that's the last part. So okay. it's not set in stone okay. yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's a reason why I said about things. So let's start with misnomers here and just how business works. Uh, for everybody listening at home, I've been pretty worried about the other business stuff, so I think I know how business works. Also, Ken and Pat are pretty good at it. So, uh, let's, 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 I, I'm just saying, I'm not saying we're the fucking geniuses here. Right. But, but we at least can navigate you through some shit. We don't got our blinders on. So, let's start with Vince, since everybody wants to start with Vince any fucking way. Mm-hmm. So, if you have a, a president of a company, and you have people in place, and you are the board of directors, not just for World Wrestling Entertainment, he'll be the chairman of the board of this new company, which will be ran by... Endeavor. Right. So Endeavor is going to make this new company, which houses UFC and WWE. And there's going to be an 11-person board, five from WWE, six from Endeavor's side. And Vince is going to be the chairman of said board. Mm-hmm. You tell me when Vince is going to have time to run WWE when he's the chairman of a board of a major corporation that houses the two top, whether people like it or not, the two top combat sports names in the business and, and, and refresh my memory the deal was for something like 21 billion dollars something uh, well the, like the new company is going to be worth 21 yeah, billion worth 21. That's what, that's what on si- as a, if, if they sign today which uh, by the way it could go up <coughs> but if they sign today the new company will be trading at 21 billion dollars yeah yeah today so that's a that's a big number uh but vince got a cool allegedly 9.3 billion dollars yeah that was the number going yeah, around to uh his pocket to do this deal like, well, when the deal goes through. So, mm-hmm. mind you, he's going to get paid less than what Nick Khan is going to get paid to make it competitive for him to sign a deal. They're going to give him a bump in pay, and it's competitive. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that in a minute because I think that's important as well. But my point to you guys is I think he's going to have less time to stick his nose into WWE stuff. Hence why when he said, yeah, I'm kind of a part of it, yes and no, input, yeah, I won't have time for the weeds. Maybe right now he might be able to get in the weeds. But when you're the chairman of the board of a $21 billion company, and that includes not just your brand, but also the UFC, right? it's not going to leave a lot of time on your hands. Which UFC, a lot more moving pieces than the WWE. Oh, yeah. Contracts. The contracts aren't the same. Mm-hmm. Like at WWE, you lock people in for years and dates. For UFC, it's fights. Well, and especially, too, WWE goes overseas, what, a handful of times every year? Well, you, they're doing it more now, well, but yeah. now they're expanding more. Right, but, but, they're, but not to the extent that the UFC does. No, 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 absolutely not. Well, they also don't put on big pay-per-views as much as UFC either. Right. Not to mention fight nights, which you could consider a fight night maybe, like a Raw <laughs> or SmackDown. I don't know. They do them every week now. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the equivalent. So the other reason why they, they put them on the board, and this is speculation, by the way, but not speculation by me. This is speculation by CNBC, is that they think that what w, what UFC has always wanted was to add some of the elements of the entrances from wrestling. Sure. And with Vince doing the board of directors thing, he can lead that knowledge over to Dana White, who he's, he's friends with, and others to kind of make that happen. 
because he knows more about the spectacle than anybody. So a lot of these decisions are being made off of the fact that the motherfucker's been around since 1983, mm. ran a hell of a successful family business at the end of the day as a family business until now, and done very well at spectacle. So for the concerns, my looking at this and my understanding as soon as this deal goes in place, until then it's it's all hands up, you know, whatever. But when this deal goes in place, Vince is going to kind of be, a, I think, a little too busy to be showing up to Raw, SmackDown, et cetera, et cetera. He's going to be an absentee landlord to the WWE. Like, let's be honest about this. <laughs> That's the easiest way to describe it. Everybody that was there prior to the sale, Nick Khan, Triple H, the CFO, all of them are staying put because what does Endeavor do? They buy companies that are successful and they don't make drastic changes. That's going to be the scary thing that you now have Vince McMahon and Dana White and say what you will, but they're very smart businessmen that know how to take nothing and make it into something and look at the track records they've done with each respective brand. And the scary thing is they're friends with each other. Yeah. And what do you think they're going to do when they put their minds together with Ari, who is no joke in his own right? Oh, absolutely. Well, you got to remember Endeavor is is part of William Morris Endeavor, mm-hmm. which if you don't know, William Morris is the biggest uh, agency for celebrities. Yes. William Morris is the most reputable agency for all celebrities. Your top tier celebrities all belong to William Morris Endeavor. Yeah. That's what WME is. Endeavor got into it and bought William Morris, hence what WME is. So that is where Ari is coming from. Yeah. And then they got into the fight game because they purchased the UFC. By the way, the UFC was purchased when it was in the black, which means that they were, they, that was all money purchased for the Fatadas. The Fatadas walked out of there with whatever cash fucking there. What, just like then, they gave a lot of money to retain Dana White. Mm-hmm. They're doing the same, by the way, they're doing the same deal yeah. right now as we speak with this agreement with Nick Khan. Yeah. They see whatever they see in Nick Khan, which I think is tremendous. Okay. So in his career, if you don't remember, Nick Khan came over from CAA, which was another agency. Mm-hmm. It, almost equal in size. I think William, I think WME is slightly bigger than slightly, CAA. It is bigger. But it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, they are, they are still the top two tiered fucking agencies. And his job there was also as the president of that company. Mm-hmm. He was brought over to World Wrestling Entertainment to become the president CEO of. World Wrestling Entertainment. And since he's been there, let's be honest, every year they've turned a bigger profit than the year before, and we're talking billion-dollar profits. Mm -hmm. So as a company like Endeavor, you look at Nick Khan and go, why would we change that quarterback? Last year, this year, he's set to probably go about $3 billion in profit. Once again, to explain profit, just as for anybody who might not know, that is after the bills and everything are paid. Mm -hmm. That is your money that you have that belongs to you. The company made, what was it, $1.75 billion, then $2 billion, then $2.5 billion. That's Mm -hmm. the last three years under Nick Khan. Mm -hmm. And this year is probably going to be over $3 billion, let's be honest, because they've already got a head start on every other year due to bigger gates. They're doing more stadium shows. I mean, that's kind of why the Allegiant one fell apart because he was a little overstepping. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he is now because they figured it out. Do him overseas. Yeah. More people go. And, of course, SummerSlam is going to do a good business there in Detroit and Ford Field. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm looking at his thing. CAA, Variety wrote a fucking uh, thing. Uh, is He's in Variety's top 500 executives you should know for Nick Khan. Mm-hmm. So I think he's worth $10 million. That's a lot of money. 
That's a lot of money for a company to go, hey, we like you so much that we want to make sure that we keep you. So we're going to sign you to a $10 million signing bonus. We're going to raise your pay and get you a new deal. And then they're doing the same, by the way, for Triple H. Yeah. Triple H is getting a $5 million sign-in bonus. We want you to stay as the chief creative officer. I think that's what his title is now. CEO. I think it's CCO. CCO, yeah. Yeah, chief creative officer. I think that's what it is. So anyways, either way, he's the top of creative. Mm-hmm. So we want to keep you there. So we're going to give you $5 million and sign you to a new deal that was better. Because we want to be, their exact wording from the Wall Street Journal, competitive. Yeah. We don't want you leaving for our competitors. We want to lock you up because we want you to run this fucking company because you're doing a good job. So here's what I'm asking you. If Vince is back and he's usurping power, like everybody suggested, <coughs> why, first of all, don't you think he would tell Ari Emanuel that, Hey, I'm going to take it out and get rid of these chuckleheads. Why do we need him? I'm going to do creative and I'm going to do this. Why are we going to pay $15 million out? Think about it. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you save $15 million? Because as a member of the chair of the, the the chairman of the board, his salary is tied into the stocks. Yeah. So if losing $15 million, which doesn't sound like a lot, is is a, is a pretty chunny. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Just saying. Yeah, that's right. The move doesn't make sense. And, so, that, and that's the whole thing. So, But people want to spin the narrative because of the past. And it's like, sorry, folks. We've already discussed. Vince, not the greatest human being, but a shrewd businessman that makes a lot of money. Absolutely. So the, here's the things that I'm going to look at. I want to get your guys' opinions as well. That's the business side of things. So basically, Vince will be the chairman of the board of the company, not of WWE, mm-hmm. of the new company, which doesn't have a name. T, we'll, T, just we'll just call it TKO. We'll just TKO, so it's not confusing. So yep. he'll be the chairman of the board there. Nick Khan will be the president of WWE, which means he'll run the day-to-day operations behind the scenes of WWE. And Triple H will be still the creative genius behind WWE, we'll call it that for now, uh, because that's what his job will be. And they're going to pay them handsomely with signing bonuses and raise paychecks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> New contracts, folks. So I don't think that, uh, you know, they're going anywhere anytime soon. Also, they, they'd they be interested if she wants to come back. They've been very interested in trying to talk Stephanie McMahon back in the building, uh, is according to Ari Emanuel, because mm-hmm. he thinks that she's amazing. He, he would like to, if she would consider it, he would like to offer her a job. Last I heard from CNBC, he would like to offer her a job as the ambassador for the giant company. Mm-hmm. So she would be like... I don't know what the official title would be, but she would be the person that literally is the face yeah, she'd be of the face, TKO. She'd be the face of TKO. So he's the CEO, but she would be the face. Makes sense. And he thinks, because he thinks, the, he he absolutely, he said that in the interview with Vince sitting next to him. And they, by the way, the way Vince looked, I think we were all right. I think that fucking Stephanie and her father are on the fucking major outs. Yeah. And I think that that's why she wasn't, uh, she left again. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I'm just saying. Because yeah. if you looked at his face when they when in that interview, when Ari brings her up. Yeah. And, just, and he didn't say that whole big thing. He just said a little brief thing about how he thought that she was fucking awesome. Vince kind of gives a look with his fucking fake Clark Gable ass. That fucking mustache and hair dye job ain't fooling anybody, brother. Mincic fan. Dude, he's fucking he's fucking, fucking Snidely Whiplash, bitch. Fucking Gomez Adams. Yeah, oh, dude, that picture was great. I don't know. There's a picture circulating on the internet where they put Vince's face on Gomez. But, dude, that fake hair dye shit in his mustache ain't fooling anybody. Yeah, exactly. Fucking Snidely Whiplash. See, listen, I think he's a shit human being. I've said that from day one. Mm-hmm. The, like last segment, if you guys were listening, <laughs> it pains me to kind of like, if, if it sounds like I'm defending Vince, I'm not defending Vince. I don't give, I, like if Vince fell off the face of the earth, it's a good day. You know what I mean? Vince I'm don't sorry, sign I'm not our paychecks. Say, yeah, Vince don't sign my fucking paycheck. No, you know, in, 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 but I will admit that he's a good businessman. In wrestling 
And let's be honest, if you're an AEW fan and not a WWE fan or however, you wouldn't have that shit if it wasn't for Vince. Because mm-hmm. let's be honest, the wrestling business would have fell on its ass. Territorial days, we'd still be looking at the indies. And I love the indies. Don't get me fucking wrong. It's just, it is what it is. You have to, you can respect the man and, and hate what he did. And, and like I said, he's a scumbag human being, but that's what makes him good at business. You know, it, it is what it is, folks. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can't make apology. We're not apologizing for it. We're not making excuses for it, but... To think the sky is falling, and this goes back into kind of what we said about him running the creative right now in WWE. Why? Yeah, they're going to pay fifteen million dollars out between Nick Khan and Triple H to run that company. Like, and that's just signing bonuses. That's not counting what they're going to pay them in salary. Because mm-hmm. if they're willing to give them a five million and ten million fucking signing bonus respectively, they're going to get paid. They're going to get fucking. No, paid. they're getting paid. They're going to be five-year deals and worth a lot of fucking money. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. With that backdoor outages and all sorts of shit, man. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be a real good time. But that's, that's what it is. The sooner it happens, Vince will be gone. Uh, the best thing I can equate it to, and I want to get your guys' opinion, because I did say this to both of you gentlemen we were talking on Sunday. I kind of equate it to Time Warner, and Vince is kind of going to become Ted Turner. Yeah. Yeah. The Time Warner AOL. Just let's be honest. This is not a merger. This is a takeover. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'll say it, it's not a merger when, you you know, the WWE stockholders come over and they have 49%. It's not a merger when the board of directors is made up of six folks from UFC and five from WWE. If it's a merger, it's 50-50. Oh, yeah, absolutely. On top of that, you have to remember Vince isn't going to have controlling shares. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the 49% is all WWE stockholders, and there's a lot of people who own WWE stock. I don't know what Vince's exact number of stocks are currently, like the exact number, because that percentage changes. Right. If you think about it, right now, if let's say he owns, like let's say that his 51%, because we know he owns the, the, the lion's share, but let's say his 51% is like 600 share, 600,000 shares. Mm-hmm. Under the new regime, that would only equate to maybe 300,000 shares. So it'd be 25% or 20% of the overall. It'd be, it'd, it'd be super low. Compared to now. So think about it. He can't change shit. Yeah. He doesn't have the power to force, and he can't force himself in. Because even as the chairman, it's a job. Like, he's not he's not in the control. They have 51%. Mm-hmm. That means that if Vince goes, well, that's how Vince shoved himself in the door this time, because he had 51, 52%. He had majority share, yeah. He can't do it again. Right. He'll have maybe 15, 20% of the total shares in the new company. If you, if I'm doing the math, I'm not doing it on a calculator, it's, but I'm it's close. a rough, it's a rough estimate, but you're right. He's not going to have controlling interest to really make any moves other than be the chairman. So he can't force himself back now where, right. And he'll have to answer. So if he goes down there and he starts meddling with shit and triple H goes, Hey, Ari, I'm trying to do my job, but Vince is down here. Guess what's going to happen? Ari Emanuel is going to call Vince McMahon and go, Hey guy, I understand that you owned the company before, but here's how things work. We have people in place. If you have a problem, you need to bring that to the board. And then the board needs to bring it to me. And then me, I'll go get with Nick Khan and we'll go talk to Triple H. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's gonna, how business And that's going to drive him nuts. Oh, fuck yeah. He's going to regret it instantly. But there's no back. As soon as this deal is signed, there's no back door out. No. It's almost like when Vic Mackey at the end of the Shield, you know, fully converts over. Yeah. To the, this is what it is. <laughs> literally. <laughs> well, well, that's why I said it's Ted Turner. Because yeah. if you remember, Ted Turner got a similar deal same, same in thing. the AOL Time Warner yeah, yeah. merger. And guess what? He then came in the office and he tried to make changes. And then he got reminded real quick. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, listen, so this is what happens. You're the chairman of the board. And by the way, he was the chairman of the board. That's yeah. why it's ironic that Vince would be willing to do this. But I guess the $9.3 billion up front, 
you know, is a pretty good nut for Vince. Well, he's never going to get a better deal. He's yeah, and he's no. also he's also doesn't care. He wants to get rid of it. He you know what it is. I think he just doesn't want his family to get it. Yep. So that's just what he did. That's why it probably drives him nuts that the the company wants to hire his daughter and they're keeping Triple H in, in control. You know, mm-hmm. it's the best thing that happened to all of us. Mm-hmm. Best thing that could happen. It's a big win. But you know, the the problem is is that that's exactly what happened. And what happened is Ted Turner was like, oh, well, I want this to change and this to change. And they were like, eh, guess what, Ted? You don't shit. Yeah. You own you own ten percent or fifteen percent of the company of the stocks, so you're a minority shareholder at best. We owned in that case, I think they owned like sixty percent, mm-hmm. and they were like, "So we're gonna do whatever the fuck we want. You're just gonna sit the fuck down and shut up. We just kept you here as a convenience for you. Mm-hmm. We gave you that courtesy." Vince might think that he's going to have some power. He's going to find out that it doesn't work that way. Yeah, especially because if what he's going to do, throw around his tiny percentage. Mm-hmm. You know what Ari's going to do? Ari's going to do like Nick Fury does in uh, the, in the Avengers, where he goes, I recognize the council has made a decision, but given that it's a stupid-ass decision, I've decided to ignore it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But that's what people aren't getting. Oh, Vince will find a way. And not when this deal is signed. So let's hope and pray <coughs> to the gods above that this deal gets signed in June or July, and that'll be it. That'll mm. be the end of all of this. Everything on the internet. You know what's going to be the rough at that time? There's going to be a lot of people out there. And the uh, IWC that will lose their scapegoat forever. Yep. What are you going to use as a scapegoat then? You know what? It is? You're you're right, but to a certain extent, there are going to be some people who are never able to let it go. <laughs> that like even after he's you know dead and gone, you know even six months that oh he's he's gone he can't hurt us anymore. No, he, he's not dead. He's he's faking it all. He's still there. Oh, he's still in control. Yeah, no. no, no the, the the percentage of people who blame Vince will go down, but there's always going to be that certain percentage. It's it's he's still going to be there. Yeah. yeah, it is what it is. And then of course, you know, you never know. It could be a courtesy with that two year contract and two years. Ari's like, yeah, you know. I think it is a two. I think it's time. It's time for you to retire. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, Vince can't tell him no. Because hey, four, uh, five WWE uh, board of directors. Versus six. six. Yeah. You're outvoted. But on top of that, with the CEO being Ari, he can just go, listen, I'm not signing your contract. Yeah. yeah. Bottom line, you don't have a yeah. contract anymore. Yeah. I mean, you can, you're more than welcome to be the head of the board of directors with no pay. He's literally got no out to stop it because, like right. I said, five directors, four, you know, and he doesn't have controlling interest. Right now, right now, he has his people in place. That's why he was able to sign his own contract for two years, which was smart in his behalf. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> he's a fi- he's a figurehead. Yeah, yeah, you just imagine Ari going, "You're fired." He's like, "I always wanted to do that." Yeah, uh, it might happen. You never know. But my point of the matter is, is this: it's it's going to be a big happy whatever. And like you guys said, <coughs> I think his job is going to be too muddled down with the UFC. Oh mm-hmm. God, yeah, I don't think he's ready for that task. I, I think- mean, although uh, to be fair, as a UFC fan, and once again, I don't like Vince, but. There's some cool things that he could help upgrade if that's what this is, oh, sure. is for. As There's well. a big upside bringing him to the UFC and having him, you know, Dana pick his brain and and, and better video up. packages. Oh yeah, better oh, yeah. fighter entrances, better streaming, better streaming, better better uh, filming. Because I'll even be honest, productions is kind of eh, there. Let's put this in perspective. What is the one thing the UFC doesn't have that the U or WWE does on A and E that is Ooh, biographies? The biographies, the, the biography. documentary series. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, You put that on there, redo the Ooh. Ultimate Fighter, like a tough enough type deal. And the best part about it is they have that deal with ESPN. By the way, I oh, I didn't even throw that part in. I got to put this out. The wording that Ari Emanuel used is he wants to, this company, and it's in the it's in the liner for it. I don't know if you guys saw this, an mm. omni-channel yeah. company. So we were all assuming that they were just going <laughs> to carry this motherfucker right over to Disney because the ESPN deals with UFC. Omni-channel means 
He wants other people. So Fox is still in the race. NBC Universal is still in the race. The only thing that's on the table that I I mean wrestling fans are going to possibly get pissed about, but Nick Khan was already questioning it anyways, was going back to the pay structure for pay-per-views. Yeah. And here's the thing, though. It sucks, but there's still the Peacock. Yep. And that Mm -hmm. deal is is through 2026. Yeah. And uh, there's no reason, unless they make a deal with somebody else, there's no reason to ever bring the WWE Network back. They'll probably just continue either have it on an ESPN Plus, Peacock, wherever wants to pay the highest dollar for mm-hmm. it, I guarantee. So they're still going to have a structure where you can still see those pay-per-views probably a couple weeks after they happen if you don't want to pay the money. Well, let's be honest, the people that are mostly bitching about paying the money are people who are just going to steal it anyways, yeah. like they do with the AEW pay-per-views. So therefore, I don't think that's a problem. Uh, last but not least, I will throw this out there for those of us in this room. And the watch party system works as we do it for AEW. I know Pat doesn't join because he doesn't watch AEW. But for like UFC and stuff, we we pull together. So a $50, $60 pay-per-view, as long as the quality is good, is going to get bought. Yeah. Period. Mm-hmm. And I will say this. Since Triple H has been the head of creative, I don't think of any premium live event that if you told me tomorrow I had to pay $50 for, I would have no. I would have a problem paying 50 bucks. Oh, Think stre- about that. Because his stretching from his run with, with SummerSlam up through yes, WrestleMania. That's what I'm talking about. No, absolutely. I, every one of those I'd pay 50 bucks for. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And, and by the way, they're going to keep it affordable. You know how I know? <laughs> because there is still a pay-per-view model for WWE because some people don't sign up for the Peacock. Yes. And WrestleMania's pay-per-view price, you're going to love this. $29.99 each night. It was $60 for the wow. complete of WrestleMania. Think and, about that. Wow. And, and yet Revolution was 50 bucks. Think Yes. Think about that. Think about it. 60 bucks both nights of WrestleMania. It's 29.99. I saw it on a cable provider. Like cuz they still sell they it still because there's some it, people yeah. that don't fucking yeah. I don't know if it's cuz of bad internet that, or they just don't guess. want or they just want to live in the past cuz some people aren't giving up. That that's cable. my guess. I've seen I've seen enough stories online on Reddit and Twitter and such of people trying to download video games and just like their internet is so shit but okay. but they've got decent cable. Mm-hmm. Right. So maybe that's the reason, but I'm just saying some people aren't paying the, you know, 4.99 or 9.99 on the peacock Cock, the peacock to get them some fucking peacock action so it's already exists still so i don't know and like i said i don't know if the the sale would have stopped that anyways because like i said nick khan has been talking about that before the sale was even talked about mm-hmm. he was looking into by ab doing that and he wanted to know he was like basically i don't want to fucking piss off the universe but at the same time yeah is there a price point we can get at 35 you know and thinking about mania maybe they do 35 40 bucks which is still cheaper than everybody else. I Once again, if the quality is there, I'll always pay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll always pay for quality. It's just when the quality is not there, you don't want to pay. So, I, I mean, at the end of the day, and for, like I said, for the people that are really bitching about it, they're pirating AEW now. They're just going to pirate a, a WWE then. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Let's not lie to ourselves. Like, come on. Actually, AEW needs your buy more than WWE does. So that's yeah. kind of shittier. That's kind Facts. of shittier that you're doing it with something you can love. You know, that's my stance on it. It's been my stance on it. I mean, I, I, I might have been like Cody Rhodes and pirated, but I didn't pirate really. I mean, I watched it on YouTube. You shouldn't make fucking shit available on YouTube. I mean, I paid for all the AEW events. Yes, we it's did. true. We, we do. Did. Check our receipts. But uh, there was, there might have been a Ring of Honor show that I watched on uh, YouTube. I don't know. Allegedly, maybe, allegedly. Maybe. Maybe, you know, hey, Tony Khan, if you want to fuck with my honor club, by the way, Fight TV, thank you for doing the right thing. Not just because we like you, but because when Tony Khan fucked up the fucking honor club to begin with, not the not the new version, the mm-hmm. original version, which I paid for my year up front for because that way you got all the pay-per-views for free. <laughs> and then he took that away so I couldn't get a free pay-per-view. Uh, basically, 
Fight TV stepped in, and this was before Fight Plus got bigger. This is how I ended up with Fight Plus originally. They gave me three free months of Fight Plus because I had three months left before on my original year deal. Hmm. I had purchased it through Fight because that's when you could do that. And they said, hey, listen, even though they're not stepping up, we'll step up because we feel bad you're getting robbed. I yeah. said, fuck yeah. That's why I like Fight. Yeah, I defend Fight. Fuck them. Fuck AEW. <laughs> I'm joking. I joke, I joke, I kid, I kid. I like TK. But I, I didn't like the fact that he stole my money. Yeah. Stole my money. Anyways, uh, speaking of TK, let's have a little bit of fun before we go. Let's have a little bit of fun. And I want to make this as fun as possible. So I'm going to forewarn the fans. Me and Ken will give you a serious answer first. Mm -hmm. A serious answer. And a reason why. We're going to keep it brief because we already ran long. But then I want everybody's craziest to close before we go, go take it home. I want everybody's craziest thought. Now, mind you, there's a possibility our crazy thought could be the one. Yeah. I just want to throw that out because this is the world of TK. And I mean, at the end of the day. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Allegedly. So, this upcoming Wednesday on Dynamite, which features FTR's possible last match we don't know. Right. So, they already have that booked. Tony Khan has promised us a huge announcement. Literally. <laughs> but... Uh, the thing is, is that this is a, uh, I, I'm going to say what I'm, you know what? I'm not going to apologize this for TK because until you prove me wrong, hopefully you do. Cause I like being proven wrong. Mm. I like making, I like when I mark out for stuff and I like being proven wrong. I'm not like other people who can't accept it, but unfortunately I see a pattern. Every time the ratings dip to a level, uh, Tony Connell uh, say he's going to make an announcement to try to boost the ratings. And last time, if you remember, which was like a month ago, we got the announcement of AEW all access, which came in at a sultry 396,000 viewers on his first episode. Yeah. <laughs> sultry. So anyways, okay. Are you ready? This Wednesday, announcement, huge announcement from Tony Khan. I'll give the floor to you first, Ken. This is the serious one. Serious one, okay. What do you think Tony Khan's announcement is? We're just speculating. Mind you, we don't have any information about this. This year's Owen Hart uh, tournament. Okay. Well, that was right around the time of... Uh, Double or nothing. Double, yeah, okay. That's that's cool. I mean, I don't know if I'd call it a huge announcement. Right, but... But, I mean, that's what he does, which once again would be <laughs> proving my point. course. He, he needs to whatever. All right, so my huge announcement... I think he's going to announce, finally, the date of Fight Forever. <laughs> I think AEW's Fight Forever date gets announced. I was going to go with that, but I was like... Uh, I, no, I'm glad yeah. you did, because I want two different ones. So yeah. I think both of ours are good. Those are our rules. So I think, finally, the fans are going to find out when Fight Forever... I don't know if they'll like the answer, because I still have a feeling it won't come out until like November or December. Mm -hmm. But they're going to announce it. And you said that. So, And I know Pad, I, he's not really involved in the, the, the serious one, because he doesn't watch AEW. Nope. So I won't do that to you, but I'll let you go first here. What this is now, mind you, at home, I want to be very clear about this. This is only joking. Now, if it ends up being true, it's kind of fucking funny, but this is only joking. We are going to have a fun time just speculating what Tony Khan is. Huge announcement is Padawan J. What is Tony Khan's huge announcement on Wednesday? Mind you, joking. He's signed Bill Goldberg and he's getting a title match that night. Holy shit, because that could be real. <laughs> that could be real. That's funny, but it could be real. Ken M. <laughs> Actually, let me give Pat a serious one since uh, he doesn't watch. He's going to announce CM Punk will return at Double or Nothing. Yeah. Okay, I, I like it. So, I I so the fun the one, yep. the fun one, which could be real. Pat might get the real one, by the way, on that one. Yeah, I think I just threw up a little. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, you my, know what? I just want to tell you. I'm going to assure you. I am after Twitter today, and my was only there for five minutes. I am definitely injured. I'm tired, <laughs> and I work with children. 
Good continue. All right, so my joking one is Tony Khan will also announce that he is selling the company to Endeavor, <laughs> and he will hire Vin- Mince Vic Van to run AEW as their <laughs> official chairman. Holy God. All right. I, I was, I've been thinking about this a while. Mind you, I'm prefacing it once again with joking. Tony Khan will come out, and he will announce that the company is for sale, and it might not be Endeavor who buys it. Reason being is they over-budgeted in the cocaine department. <laughs> the cocaine budget has gotten way out of fucking hand. And let's be honest, you can't run a show without cocaine. So, therefore, <laughs> that's where we are. <laughs> a kid, a kid. Amazing, uh, amazing. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. I'm just saying, booked by cocaine. Oh, I joke, I joke, I kid. I, once again, it is all jokes and games. Yes. But uh, the serious ones, I do like the serious ones. Serious ones, I pick Fight Forever is going to be announced. Ken picked Double or Nothing is going to own heart for Double or Nothing. And then Ken got to pick one for Padawan J. CM Punk's return at Double or Nothing. By the way, you could get a double one because what if they say, well, the Owen Hart is going to take place at Double or Nothing in the first entrance, CM Punk. You get double. I, I like to shoot for the stars. Already? Can be double or nothing. Ah, see what I did there, Tony Khan. You know what was funny? You should hire me. Once again, my, my thing would change if I got paid. <laughs> <laughs> Being cringe fair. But. We've ran long. We've had, hopefully, had a good time listening to the WrestleMania 39 review. All of our takes, especially since we had to waste a lot of time on talking shit about silly shit on the internet. Uh, hopefully, we can explain for some of you people, some people out there that might be wondering uh, kind of about the basics of what the deal is in place right now. Once again, the agreement hasn't been made, but that is the actual uh, tenets of the agreement. So, what do you guys think about that? And so much more. Ken M, if they want to hit you up, how do they find the ODPH? I will defer this one to Padawan J. ODPH podcast.com good job man and then of course if you want to hit me up 3fnpodcast.com all the links are on those sites go check them out and uh you know what it's been fun it's been a real deal i, I enjoy these crossovers i'm gonna miss the uh the little intro until the next time uh we get together for this so uh let's say goodbye to all our friends ken m say goodbye goodbye good luck and keep watching wrestling Padawan J, you know what I want to hear. Fuck the Astros. That's fucking right. And of course, for all of us, including myself, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Until next week, when we return back to normally scheduled ODPH podcast sports edition. And of course, 607 TWS, the wrestling show, where we go back to our normal format of talking about all things wrestling instead of just (laughs) one gigantic event. Mm -hmm. Till then, later, wrestling Cause they can't bring